Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the seventh season of Timeless Gamer, where the games and gamers grow older while the gaming experiences will forever remain timeless. Your gaming podcast show brought to you by Pinoy Retro Gaming. And we are now live in Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And for all of our archive videos that you haven't seen as of yet, that's fine. Just go to the YouTube channel of Timeless Gamer. That's Timeless Gamer PRG. Or just go into the Facebook channel, Facebook page, rather, of Pinoy Retro Gaming. And you can also listen to us talk. Just go to Audible, Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Samsung Podcast, Podcast Index, Listen Notes, Pandora, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Deezer, just type in Timeless Gamer. Oh my God, that's a lot of stuff and we got everything covered so there's no excuse for you not to listen to us with all of this gaming goodness all over your body. <laughs> Previously on Timeless Gamer, we were able to uh, uh, think called Disney. And uh, and how uh, a generation of gamers were uh, were brought into a whole new world of gaming. So if you haven't watched that uh, particular episode, it's a it was a very fun episode. Unfortunately, I was not even there. Uh, do a sing along with these guys. <laughs> uh, just go to uh, the YouTube channel, Thomas Gamer PRG, or the Facebook page of Pinoy Retro Gaming uh, to see that Disney themed episode that we did the last time. How about tonight? So tonight we are discussing about the golden era of PC gaming, particularly during the 90s up to the year 2005. And um, around this uh, around this time, guys, the console wars of the 90s raged on between Sega and Nintendo, Sony coming into the fray during the late 90s. But in the background, <laughs> the master race is um is building up its army <laughs> so to speak um it has its own following it has its own uh it has its own um own regime its own right all right um and uh, with the advent of windows 95 coming from microsoft promised better game uh, promised more data processing not only for home use and business use but also for the home entertainment as well such as video games with more, uh, more graphical performance, uh, video and sound. We got more PC games that came out um, on the uh, on the nineties, and the two thousands, the early two thousands, as much as that we got from Sega, Nintendo, and Sony at that time. So for this particular episode, uh, we got Sir Dan who suggested this particular episode a while back. So he's the one leading the charge. And uh, speaking of which, we got the two hosts of the Sega Mega Masters podcast show, Sir Dan and Sir Viraj. Give it up. Yo. Good to be here. Good to be here. All right. So um, for you guys uh, who, who are not in the know, uh, Sir Dan and Sir Viraj are, uh, are two out of four hosts of the Sega Mega Masters podcast show, also available in YouTube. Uh, the last episode, in, uh, the last episode that they uh, that they uploaded was still Paprium, I believe. Still Paprium, and um, they're about to release a new one coming in soon. So be sure to go to their YouTube channel. That's Sega Mega Masters. Subscribe to that channel. All good stuff uh, for all of you Sega enthusiasts out there listening to us. And of course, how about our people here? 
Sir JDM, what's up? Oh, Sir JDM. Hey, okay. good morning. There you are. And good okay. evening, everyone. <laughs> I thought I cut off. So, welcome to Timeless Gamer. And tonight we'll be talking about the PC games of the 90s up until 2005. So, there's a lot of games that we're going to talk about. And by the way, can I say something? I would like to greet my mom who's. Um, who just go, 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 go. turned 69 today? Ooh, happy uh, birthday, ma! And thank <laughs> you so much. Birthday, um, uh, Mama JTM. <laughs> and that's my mom here. Uh, oh. When I was back then, when I was a little boy, uh, and here not so much. I think this was taken <laughs> 10 years ago. And that's my mom. And thank you so much for um, letting me play those fabulous, awesome games back that I used to love. So, Not soon enough, but thank you, birthday. Mama JDM. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sir JDM, for that. And, um, and, look who's, and look who's back. Back again. <laughs> yes, who's back. Call a friend. Let me see What's up? Welcome, everybody, to the Timeless Gamer episode for tonight. I hope you enjoy our trip down memory lane. We're going to talk about lots of PC games, and I hope you enjoy our picks for tonight. All right. Uh, thank you for that, Miss Eileen. Oh, um, since this is a... Uh, we hardly get Miss Eileen here in the show. So uh, why not let her do the honors on reading the chat? How are you all doing down there? So who do we got down there? So um, on Facebook, we have Kito Jano and Jen Santos. Hi, sir, Kito Jano. And we have Sherwin Lyle, who says hello. Sherwin Lyle Katimbang. Oh, and our also fellow Timeless Gamer uh, panel, Charlene. Hi, welcome. And good luck with work tonight. Thanks for watching. Hope we have you back soon. Uh, Dave Scott. Good pay, mga sirs. And happy birthday sa nanay mo, Sir GDM. Nalala ko siya napadpad sa stream ni Sir Derek dati nagkwento tungkol sa'yo. Happy birthday po sa mami ni Sir GDM. Thank you. Alright. Thank you for that, Miss Eileen. And, um, a very particular number, right? 90s up to 2005. So why 2005? So what happened then? So to answer that question, we got Sir Dan. <laughs> so uh, I'll just give it now to Sir Dan and explain why 2005? Why not go further than that? <laughs> it's, I think it's just an easy number to remember, mate. I think uh, it's generally viewed in the PC gaming groups that I'm in as the, as the golden era of PC gaming. I, I, th I think... Um, a lot of studios kind of changed the philosophy um, a bit, moving away from more traditional PC um, depth-based games to more cinematic and more console-minded type games around that time in 2005. Um, so, uh, so that that era is is for all the people I speak to seem to hold that era in in the highest regard when it comes to PC gaming. Mm. Oh. Are you sure it's not because That's they were more old and too tired to play get PC games after 2005? Pro probably, mate. Easy? Probably. Do I, do I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, just oh, Windows 98 and Windows XP have nothing to do with it, sure. Well, <laughs> either, either that or graphics cards became too expensive after 2005. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think it's. I think it's just um, if you if you look at the the classic games, you know, what I mean the. The, the the foundation games born out of stuff like the SSI series 
out of the 80s that kind of hung on up until about 2005 and then it it changed a lot of, basically a lot of traditional games that were 2d isometric uh, went 3d and went more action based really um so there were a bit of a, just just a shift um i think i think Drag- dragon age origins is a good example i think that came out in 2006 um and that's obviously that's a you know a, a, an essentially a boulder's gate game but it moved into 3d and it went in that process that was a game that was developed with consoles in mind as opposed to being a, a, a PC game ported to consoles. And, and so I, I guess that's where a lot of PC gamers see a lot of developers betraying the master race. The master race. Oh, master race. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, right there listening and watching us now. Um, I'm not sure if these people right here right now can appreciate on... Uh, these guys, they are so privileged. At the time, we only we can only afford the uh, the measly Nintendo and the measly Sega at the time. So we we, we, can, we couldn't afford PC games. Uh, we, we 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 are not so privileged to be among the master race. Oh, come on, man! But these guys, <laughs> these guys they, have, they have the money. Sure. I mean, you had you had Ski Free, you had Spider Solitaire. <laughs> no, you have a Space Spider Cadet. Solitaire. I was, I was only able to handle a computer because of uh, during high school and that's it. Mm. <laughs> But solitaire, mind-boggling. <laughs> how, can you, how can you do that with the cards? It, 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 um, I mean, I was quite lucky in that I, uh, at that time I was, I was working part-time and I was doing a college 16 hours a week, and uh, and they all they all had PCs accessible, so that made you know gaming and and, and trying stuff out um, really easy for me really. So, uh, but there's nothing there's nothing about Sega, Joe. Don't worry, there's nothing easily about about the the mighty Sega, mate. So you were still still all right with it. More on the console gaming right here. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, the people on the upper strata, yeah, they're the PC master race. They will always keep on clamoring that one. And every <laughs> gaming groups out there, they'll, they'll always say, consoles, peons, peasants. With the monocle. Not as a. Uh, not as dignified as 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 PC users. <laughs> you see, this, this era we're talking about now, 1990 to 2005. I, for me, the the consoles and the PCs both had a very very separate identity. So they had a, they both had a big place. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, I I, I got a PC. I love PC gaming, but it didn't remotely put me off console gaming, and I love console gaming just as much still. You know what I mean? It were. Console gaming was plug in, play, no hassle, straight to it. Um, you know, easy pick up uh, and very, very accessible. With PC gaming back then was obviously uh, a lot more faffy. I mean, it's, it's still a bit faffy now, but you had to you had to invest yeah. time into getting getting stuff working. So both of these both of these had a had a place back then. Whereas I look at it now. And honestly, most modern consoles to me, I think they're just crap PCs. They really are. I, I can I can see the Master Race superiority because, um, like I say, you've got a Switch, which is essentially a tablet. You know what I mean? You've got you've got Xbox and PlayStation that you know that you have to log on and install games and wait wait for things to 
and before you... PCs now, really. I think I think the technology does the graphical output of PS5 mm. and the Xbox solution. I'm not saying that they're better than PCs. Obviously, PCs, if you've got the right graphics card, right processor married to it, will always be better than a console. It can run at many teraflops, but you pay a fortune for that. With the solutions that Microsoft and Sony are offering, it's actually viable and it's very close to the graphics of the PC. And in my opinion, growing up in the 90s and going forward, and, and you'll agree with this, Dan, is the pinnacle of video games in the 80s was arcade. The best graphics yeah. best everything was the arcade. Then PC then took over that slot as being the pinnacle. That, that sort of happened in the early 90s going onwards, where you get PCs which were designed to be better, with better graphics cards, better memory, better output, better performance. And you can always upgrade PCs if you know what you're doing. The console, yeah. that's what the layman, yeah? And as soon as you buy yeah. that console... You can always layman, build the ultimate PC, yet you always still play 1993 Aladdin on it. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's a case of, you know, if you have the money, and this is it, it's all to do with the scale of economy here. If you are part of elite, you know what you're doing, you know what graphics card works with the processor and i have made the mistake of buying a graphics card that didn't work with my md k6 processor and something went bad right i'm not going to talk about it. it's embarrassing okay but <laughs> you had to know you had to know what you were doing because you could really mess up your computer as I oh that's out. true you can mm. you can mess up your processor and everything so you have to make sure you have the right graphics card is it an agp slot and a pci slot you have to mm. know which slot it went in you have to know if it's compatible processor. you have to know what you're doing and you do pay a lot more money for it but you're paying for that premium in terms of a, a, a computer a pc that can run a pinnacle in graphics and i would say that that was something i'd say mid-1995 to 2005 was actually really really a game changer for the elite and arcades also arcades didn't offer the pinnacle later on the pc became the more prevalent format for the best graphics yeah and, and performance for video games and that's basically what it was, really. If you want them the best, that's what it was. But you had to you had to pay over a grand for a PC, two grand. There's a lot of money back then. That's a lot of money back in 1995. Right? <laughs> I, I think, well, again. you make some great points there, mate. You make some fantastic points. And, and I think that the, the the it was the genre shift as well. So you, one of the biggest genres to come out in the 90s were the first-person shooter genres. And, yeah. and, and that evolved into, obviously, role-play games. And yeah. you, you simply, you know, N64 and PlayStation and that, they had a go at it, but they simply couldn't touch PCs for that genre. Um, so you, you had, a, had a lot more weight and relevance and significance to it than it had done previously, really, because that graphic, not, it wasn't just a graphical boundary that, that got moved forward. The, you know, the, the, what you could experience game-wise got moved forward big time as well. This, this is true. However, you know, one of the best, I know we're, we're turning this into a lot of, I'm going to be very quick because we're turning this into a PC versus console debate here, but <laughs> the benefit of having the console, even though it was sort of outdated, let's, say, let's talk about N64 since we brought it up, you have a dev kit for the developers, and this console is going to have a lifespan of, what, say, five years, if you're lucky, N64, but um, you, have, you, have a lifespan, you have a lifespan that's, that's the X amount of time, developers have all the time world to make the game the best they can for that format, and consoles, in my opinion, they had a lot more better games for their period for that console because they worked around that hardware that the console had. Whereas PCs ever changing, that PC developers or game developers are developing their games around a specific chipset and a graphics card. So it's they're limiting themselves to the elite. Yeah, if you can make a video game and you've got a guy who like 40 million Mega Drives, for example, to be sold, so you've got a 40 million user base. You're going to be able to sell that game quick. If you're going to make a really high-end PC game, you're limiting your audience as well. 
So, you know, but, but who, who are you going to make this game for? So I think a lot has changed. Obviously, a lot has changed now because PC gaming is more accessible now because you just want to save memory because graphics are, cards are really good and you don't have to have the most advanced graphics to have to play really good PC games. It's only for the, the super elite and they're going to pay that money for these, these PC games with the graphics cards. Then the people will really benefit. So the, the bugs and the glitches as well. Yeah, you're paying yeah. for all of it. You are paying for a premium. Joe's <laughs> point: it is for the elite, and it still it will always be for the elite. But I think PC gaming is more accessible now than it was back in '95 to 2005. Yeah. 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 And well, obviously, when we go talk about our games, we'll talk about whether it's was it what was it easy to access back then. And I think talking about the graphics card that you needed to run it might might help. But if you remember, if you can't, I can't remember. It was so long ago. But th th there is. There is a benchmark here in terms of good PC games, and not all good PC games, as you know, have to have the best graphics in the world. Um, Quake 4 did 9 nothing. Obviously, that's, that's that's a game that came out later, along with Doom 3. You needed like two gigs of dedicated, like something mm. stupid, like in terms of RAM minimum to run these things. So, you know, it's, it, was it four gigs? I can't remember. And, Vista, and Windows Vista didn't help either, because that took a lot of video memory as well, as we know. So, that probably is why 2005 is where the Golden Age ended, because of yeah. Windows Vista. <laughs> but going, going forward, uh, and, and going, just, just want to get my point clear, consoles have their benefits because you can make games for that custom hardware. It's, it's got a large user base. It's, it's cheaper to buy a console than a PC, typically. PCs are for the elite, but they are pushing the frontier in graphics and gameplay and leading the charge for what the next consoles will have. Yeah. into the graphics. It's, it's just when did the PS3 came out? 2005, 2006, yeah, yeah, right? Around, Six, yeah. around this time, you got your, it's, the, it's the HDMI era of console yeah, gaming. With PS3 and the Xbox 360. So, by PC standards, they're, they're pretty much neck and neck at, as, mm. far as, uh, as far as the visuals is concerned, right? Yeah. They're catching so, up. Yeah, I should be right, uh, right, uh, should be around the reasonable uh, reasonable time period of the time yeah. and contrary to um the console peasants who were thinking that pc were better i was playing on software rendering back in the 90s so i don't need you don't really need a graphics card to play those games you just need to uh, back then we were using 800 by 600 resolution and that runs good as well that was times yeah i mean I, I, good, good now, something we, we, we've not mentioned and this is one of the reasons i actually me personally i loved having both a pc and a console setup is because like i say the console was simplicity ease of access getting there but <laughs> the pc you could you could mess about with the game so much more i mean most most games you had some form of editor or, or console or yeah you know i mean so you could you could edit characters you could dig into the uh and do you know what i mean there, there were there were a lot more um you could you could do with it in actually changing the game's foundation itself so it's more uh, open source yes uh, yeah. another imp interesting point is uh, input devices when we're playing games on a pc we're yeah. using the mouse yeah. and the keyboard you mentioned fps's right there yeah. Like playing, I don't. I think we've, we had this discussion earlier this week, which is one FPS I love on the console, which you you, you know you don't. Um, it's Goldeneye. Ew! You play with a controller. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but or you play with analog sticks. Yeah, we've, we've got. I haven't got one here, but you have an analog stick to, to you know aim your cursor to your gun when playing FPS. Is that it's something that I've never truly really gotten used to. I'd, I'd die a lot of time before I got good at it. A mouse and a keyboard is like the easiest way to play an FPS. I don't care what anyone says. That is the best way to get that pinpoint accuracy. 
and, yeah. and that's what I, I think was great about PC gaming, the input device of the mouse keyboard for FPSs and RTSs, okay, real-time strategy yeah. games. But, uh, sorry, for those listening, FPS is a first-person shooter game and RTS is real-time strategy games. Um, for those kinds of games, that input device is more appropriate. And not, it's not so you couldn't get mice for a, a, a console, you could. But those games are better for the PC format. Also, that you can buy input devices like steering wheels for a computer if you play racing games. You can get a control yeah. pad for your PC if you want to use a control pad. So it's not like you know you have to, but there are extra things you have to buy, but you'd have to buy them for consoles anyway, to be honest. Um, all right, maybe not the control pad, you can get it in the box. But you'd have to buy a mouse for, for the console. So obviously, there's, it's, it's what, what accessory you get with the PC, with the mouse and keyboard, which is one of those things, is, is it probably a more appropriate use of playing certain PC games and certain genres. And I think we'll touch on that later on as we progress with this video. I mean, what, and, and that, I mean what's, that's reminded me, really, that when it, when it comes to actually playing these games, it's also about the environment you're playing them in. And um, I look back and a lot of my time, um, actually PC uh, multiplayer game was spent local area network gaming, yeah. either at college or at, uh, at work. I, 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 I um, used to work at a place called CCS Media and they had it all, we had a, a Quake 2. Um, but you know, on your lunch break, you played Quake 2. So that were, you, know, you, you, you couldn't bring take your Mega Drive or your PlayStation into work and, and all that. <laughs> so PCs gained a lot of, po of popularity where I lived in in that respect as well. That's true. If the professor comes in, oh shit, close the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you you just need uh, a switch hub to connect all those computers to play all those LAN games. Unlike in the consoles, you need those link cables. Uh, the PS1, you need that link cable, right, to play Red Alert 2. Uh, I mean, Command & Conquer Red Alert, right? And that's just uh, two consoles, so ah, it's better to play. human here. beings. Uh, Nintendo yeah. 64 did not necessarily use all of those, just play. Goldeneye, you can play with four split screen and you're good. Yeah, and that's, yeah. That, that's a great example. <laughs> Goldeneye, you can see what the other player is doing in front of you. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, if you play four player, you can look at where the other player is and right, I've, I've, I've got them down there now. You actually, you, you, you know their location. <laughs> Which when you're playing on a PC, you, you're, you're across the other side of the, the office or the room or whatever, so it uh, made it a lot better, I think. That. Yeah, but it's, it's good to rub it in your face when I shoot you and you're right next to me. <laughs> I can't do that. I can't do that a lot less confrontational, yes. Yeah, I'm hurt you, mate. I'm hurt you. What are you going to do? You know, you're dead. You know? So you You've seen some blood shit. I think, I think there's fun, there is fun with couch co-op or couch competitiveness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's nice to have that big screen dedicated so you can actually see what you're doing. Because some people back you then, people weren't that big. You need that safe space between yeah. you. Just I mean, in there. Things might go south. back then. It's, it's tiny to look at things on Goldeneye. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like, there's benefits either way. But, yeah. But one thing, yeah, online gaming. You know, 1995 to 2005, console online gaming hadn't taken off, really. Dreamcast tried it with a few games. But that was back when dial-up was a thing. Broadband hadn't really taken off. You know, and this era of, of, of playing online games um, was predominantly with, with the PC, that you couldn't really do it with console. It wasn't mainstream. Even yeah. You paid, like, obviously, stuff like you know, Mega Drive had Sega Channel, but who really had it? You know, very few people had it. It was for the, for the, for the rich people. Yeah. Um, online gaming with the Dreamcast, you know, who really had the Dreamcast online services? It was, it was for the, 
people who could afford it and play Fantasy Star Online, which is the only game I know that people played on Dreamcast. So again, Sega tried something new with Dreamcast and Fantasy going Star forward. Online. But <laughs> if we if we like we're talking MMO RPGs and things like that, there were a lot of those that were coming out for PC, but for the consoles, there was few of them and, and you know, with the even with the, with the PS2, the Xbox and, and the Cube, the Xbox was the only one that truly had online gaming. It's only with the next generation, seventh generation, did online gaming become more and more prevalent. So that era, if we're talking 95 to, well, 1995 to even 2005, online gaming was a key thing for PC gaming. Internet, of course. It was a unique selling point, point, I'll say it. And there's something really special about playing these games online, which obviously we're going to talk about later on when we talk about the game that we'll talk about. There's something really special about that, something really fun about feeling truly immersed and knowing if you're going to, you know, if you're, and you can also, if with FPSs you have a league, you know how good you are compared to other people. Say with RTSs, it's just fun knowing how good you are and, and want to be better. But anyway, back to you guys. Oh, uh, speaking of the internet, let's. Um, we got a few more people down there in the chat. Miss uh, Miss Eileen, I think Sir Dan Dive mentioned um, mentioned something about his PC gaming experience. Yes. So welcome, Dan Dice, to the episode and on the chat. So Dan Dice says he likes CS, Counter Strike 1.6, Half Life, Command and Tank, Conquer, Red Alert 2. Battle Realms, NBA Live 2003, Need for Speed Underground, etc. So he has a lot of games he has played in the past. That is so cool. Nice list there, Dan Dice. I, I can actually smell those games. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about yes. one of them, so you want to watch this show. We're going to be talking about one of those games. Hey. Listed, so. Speaking of games, let's just get right into it, Sir Dan. Let's go. Let's go. Uh-huh. Right, well, uh, yeah, I'll start off with my first game then, and then we'll go around everybody. So, uh, my first choice of game is a, a definite contender for my favourite game of all time. Um, it's, it's up against some strong competition, uh, especially from the Sega Mega Drive system, but, uh, but this is a, a definite contender, and that's, that's Deus Ex, um, which is a, a first-person cyberpunk RPG uh, developed by Ironstorm and it was released in 2000. Uh, it was uh, it, it got various ports. I think I think it's been ported pretty much to every PlayStation and Xbox since. Um, but obviously the original version was PC. In fact, in fact, in fact, I have got my my PlayStation Ooh. 2 version here because my uh, nice. PC version is, is digital. Um, but yeah, so I, so I, I played I played this uh, on PC around a year after it was released, uh, and I was blown away by it. Absolutely blown away by it. And I don't th- I don't think I've ever had a game actually teach me that much about life and the realities of the world that we live in as I have this one. Um, it was like, it was something as an edu- of an education really. Um, it, it, it basically does every, everything the game does and sets out to do it does to like a top level you know what I mean it, it, it's, it's, a t- it's a 10 out of 10 game definitely um, and from a, from a gameplay perspective what makes it so fantastic is it gives you a genuine choice of how to approach every situation now, now that's pretty common nowadays in a lot of games but back then it was pretty revolutionary and the the amount of options you have um, and, and right down to your player build so you you know you can you can be violent you can choose stealth you can coerce um, 
you can work, uh, coerce everybody in there. Uh, you can choose to hack your way through it. Um, it's got a ton, ton of different ways of approaching everything. And I think this is one of the first games I played that I remember, you know, I, I, I think to myself, it felt like living in a real world because of the amount of freedom of choice that I had. Um, and every everything that you do in the game prompts a reaction. You know what I mean? That, that just feeds into that immersion, really. It feels really realistic and lived in. But what, what makes it stand out so much, though, what makes it, to me, potentially the best game of all time, is its is it story. Because not only does it have a load of uh, choice and consequence, which means that the story can pan out in different ways, um, but it's, it, the story itself is essentially a work of genius because it, it, it focuses on the conflict between uh, several factions and they're, base, they're basically trying to control the world by proxy. Um, and it, it just it's just so reflective of modern society it is, it is incredible I mean there's, there are a lot of references to real world conspiracy theories and there's other stuff as, as well like you know uh, mythology and philosophies that, that were attached to in the real world and they're all referenced too um, but it just provides this like capitalist uh, commentary on how like political elites manipulate masses you know what I mean and and you know, it, 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 it as good as predicted the future in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, you're talking. This has got stuff like, um, you know, uh, populist manipulation through viruses and vaccines, which you'd be quite um, easily forgiven for, for seeing it linked to COVID. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, <laughs> it, it's scary how much it attaches to reality, to be honest. Um, so I, I don't want to go into to spoilers too much for it. But this is a game that if you if you play and you you apply it, you know you reflect on it with reality, it's it's quite mind blowing. You know what I mean? It re- it really is. So it's it's a it's a different level of storytelling, really. Um, or uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, for people who would like to know how it plays, if you have uh, seen Cyberpunk 2077, this is like this game, right? Cyberpunk uh, setting, you have your uh, immersive simulation, you have choices to make, and every choice that you make will uh, do um, consequences. Fantastic, mate. Yeah, that's a, that's a great shot to bring up Cyberpunk. Um, I think I think I've not I've not played Cyberpunk. I've only watched videos of it. But from what I can gather, um, I don't. I, I've not seen it do much that Deutex didn't do. But I, you know, I, I'm only guessing at that. I don't know if any of you chaps have played Cyberpunk. Um, but it is a, it's a similar thing. You've you've just got a a whole um, plethora of of choices uh, available to you and things can play out in so many different ways so uh, back, bear in mind this were a 2000 game so there's what was, was Cyberpunk we released last year or the year before Cyberpunk it's a two year old game two year old game so yeah. say this is 20 year over 20 year older than Cyberpunk and yeah. yeah. um, it still offers a lot of that experience and this game is different from the first person games that uh, came out before it like doom and quake 
because in Doom and Quake, all you need to do was to kill enemies, and here you need to do some uh, different things. So it's not like you're going to just uh, shoot uh, enemies. You need to um, use computers and. Uh, consoles and something like that and you have the storytelling as well well oh mate yeah yeah you, you, it's, it's it's a very it feels like a very lived in world if you played it if you played skyrim and uh, i know it's a fantasy rpg but if you played skyrim and you think that's a a, a a deep immersive rpg it is absolutely shallow as hell compared to deus ex deus ex feels way more lived in and realistic it's not it's not nowhere near as big there's not as many uh characters or that to interact with but in terms of that actually feeling like you're in a lived in world where whatever you do has a knock-on effect um you know this this, this knocks it out of the park really it really really does and it's it's still for me this still really holds up today as well the, the gameplay the gameplay action mechanics have definitely aged um, they're a lot jankier now than you, you know, if you play this there's a lot more jank to it that you've got to bear with than there was back then uh, and the AI especially the AI you can tell it's it's over 20 year old um, but the actual storytelling and the, the immersion factor is absolutely fantastic so I would say I mean bear, bear in mind this this was on this was on sale on GOG the other week for 69p <laughs> 69p you know what I mean so I, I this is one game that you have for me for everybody if you've got a PC you, you have got to play it. if you haven't got a PC if you've got a PlayStation 2 or a PlayStation or Xbox for me you, you've, you've got to you've got to play this game it's absolutely fantastic um, and if you I'd, I, all I'd say is if you're playing it on PC I would I'd play the vanilla version but there is a, um, a mod for it called the GMDX mod, which adds a lot of quality of life improvements. So if you play it, play it vanilla, and if vanilla doesn't grab you, try it with the, the GMDX mod. That might make your life a little bit easier. I have a question to Sir Dan. Um, sure. You showed a PlayStation 2 version earlier. Is that exactly the same as the PC version? No, it's it's. Um, I'd say it's about fifteen, maybe twenty percent um, streamlined, more streamlined. So it's 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 the, the the plot's the same, the level layouts, the the challenges, the quests are the same, um, but there's not as much depth in terms of the role playing. What what yeah, what you can manipulate in terms of like. You, you know how you build a character and, and certain options and that's it's, it's just but it's just more streamlined basically it's more consoleized um but it is it's still brilliant on on playstation 2 in fact in fact if you're a console player and you prefer more streamlined experiences it might be better off to, to start with one of the, the console versions so it, it's got a, it's more action orientated yeah, but that being said, like, I see you've got like a gun in this. There's an FPS element to it. Is it surely it's easier to control on the PC? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's, you, you, your PC is going to be a better experience, but it's just those that if people just want a more streamlined 
there's, there's a lot of th- there's a lot of things in the in the PC version that you don't have to really bother with as much um, in the in the PlayStation Two version. It's just a bit it's a bit easier to sit in, and I know I know some people prefer that. So, uh, okay, that but the PC be... version is like you could say the PC version is is the full cut of the game. Yeah, you know, it's the full version of it. The, the, the PS version they've obviously made it like you could say it's like a, a shortened version of the film, if you like the cut yeah. bits in yeah. there. Um, you know, I, I remember this game actually because I, I remember selling it when I worked in the in the shop in the, in the Dixon's place, and um, I I remember it was quite cheap though. This is back in 2002, 2003, and obviously you say this is a 2000 game. It shows you just how quickly PC games can depreciate. Yeah, the graphics, it's the graphics cards. People who people buy these games, I mean, they make their money when these things come out. The elite will buy these things and will pay the premium for it. After a few years, as PC technology is caught up. The game's relevance isn't there anymore. So I remember selling it for ten, five pounds, five, ten pounds in the yeah, yeah. in the sold out. So what is a different company takes responsibility back then of publishing the disc, and the company was called Sold Out, and it was like a cheap five pound. I don't, I don't remember it. It was like a white cover, and it just got little dual sex in the little middle box, and that's it. So it's saying it's part of the sold out range. It's five pounds for the game. Go for it. And you know now to get that game, like you said, sixty nine pence on what Steam is it or something like that? Wrong. Yeah, on Gog. It was on Gog. Okay, on okay, Gog. So it's, it's, it's going next to nothing. It's, it's it's so cheap to play these really great games now. We're living in an era where getting access to these old PC games is, is nothing. It's nothing. You know, and you can play this. You can you get a cooked meal for more money than these video games, than these PC games. That's amazing, isn't it? This is this is obviously cutting edge in two thousand, but. That game was, was very popular and I remember it. I haven't played it. I'm aware of it. My friend Andrew goes on about it because there was a... It's, obviously, it's had its sequels. It's spawned sequels, doesn't it? That's how successful this game was. I know there was one on the Wii U that my friend Andrew goes, look, get the Wii U one because it plays unique to that system and it's obviously a sequel that, that's on that and it got good reviews. And that's the only Wii U game I don't have and maybe I should get it because obviously I should play it. But like I'm really going to bother, it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> but I can understand why people are really into these sort of games. And, and this particular game, you know, that Cyberpunk was mentioned, you know, and it does look very much like like what JDM said, it does look very much cyber, like the early Cyberpunk before, and Cyberpunk does probably, it's probably, if it weren't for games like this, there would be no Cyberpunk, you know, it's, it's probably borrowed a lot of game, this kind of game, genres in this game, and expanded things, obviously, it's a different game altogether, I know Cyberpunk is a much bigger game, there's a lot more depth to it, for sure, compared to this thing, but, this game was like a springboard for games like that to exist, and, and, and Etc. Etc. So that's a very interesting choice. But yeah, this was actually a very, very critically acclaimed game, and I remember it. So that goes to show. Awesome, mate. Awesome. Well, uh, well, yeah, that's my first one anyway. So I, I, I uh, seeing as we've got Miss Eileen back, um, and we've been waiting for her back for a long time. Let's get get your first one, Miss Eileen. Go on. Okay. Oh, before I start, hi, Sir Pao. Welcome to the. Hey. Hello, good evening and good day to everyone. <laughs> Got a nice uh, pin back, uh, uh, pinball table back there. Space yeah. yeah, but it's not working, and and for some reason, <laughs> the the light on the other side is reflecting. Alright, gonna have to Alright, let's go. Okay, I'm going to talk about my first pick and I guess this will strike some nostalgia in many of you. This is... My oh, first pick good. is The Sims. So I know many of you nice. have played the modern ones. Uh, little showcase first. I've got some expansion packs as well. There you go. 
Is, is that the it's first ever Sims? Is that the first one yeah. that was ever made? Yeah. Yes, it's the first one. So my first one. Yeah. Yep, it's the deluxe edition. It's a mix of the first game and Live in Large expansion pack. Right. Along with others. These are what I have. Yeah. So The Sims 1 was released on PC in the year 2000. And well, as many of you know, you can control the lives of your Sims, their basic needs, their career, family, education, social life. So what I like about this game is that, well, first of all, I grew up with SimCity. So, you know, SimCity, of course, you build cities, buildings, and roads, and well, a city. Then there was also SimTown. Also gonna show SimTown here, I guess you can see it in the corner. Nice. So from the big city, it shrunk into a town. And I was already excited to see small people. You can see bike kids biking. You can like remove the roofs of houses and you can see people in their houses just living. And then here came the Sims. You can control their lives now. And I was like, wow, this is us. this was a revolutionary game when it came out because wow, I can control people's lives now. So wow, I can make them move, go there, go to the bathroom, go to sleep, eat. So you can control everything, even conversations they make and decision making. So also you can uh, enjoy designing houses. You get your sim to work, earn money, so they can buy furniture, build their houses, get more stuff. And I think this game also um, made me unknowingly love jazz music. You know, when you get to the build mode and buy mode, mm. there's like a nice background music, it's jazz. And yeah, it's like relaxing when you build your design your home and the music is ambient in the background it's just relaxing um you can get creative with it um like modern sims you can play your own music you can buy additional stuff i think there was either maxis online or sims online back then for the sims one um you can expand your community by playing more families in different homes and you can make everybody friends it's endless fun and you can be creative as you want and like I showed earlier, there are expansion packs. Um, each expansion pack brings um, generally new items, characters, neighborhoods, skins, and features. Um, like I showed earlier, um, where is it? The Deluxe Edition has the Living Large uh, expansion pack with it. It has additional careers, um, the house party. You can hold parties, gatherings in homes, and if it's a good enough party, um, people still know Drew Carey, right? Yeah, Drew Carey. Uh, he does cameo in yeah. the party if it's good enough. Um, then you also have hot dates. You have the ability to leave your home and travel to other destinations. So the destination here is downtown. Um, you can also start carrying things in your inventory and gift it to other sims. Um, there's also the vacation i don't have it here but i have played it before and it's a really fun expansion pack because you go to different uh, vacation spots um you can buy souvenirs you have new recreational activities to do uh, you can rent a hotel or an igloo or tent depending on the season of the vacation spot then there's the unleashed where there are pets introduced you can modify communities um, and those commu community spots can become coffee shops, commercial hubs, and so on. And then 
Oh, I also have Superstar, uh, where you can make your sim into a superstar, an entertainment figure. There are also um, cameo appearances by other celebrities like Avril Lavigne, Andy Warhol, Marilyn Monroe, John Bon Jovi, Christina Aguilera, Freddie Prince Jr., Sarah McLachlan, Jennifer Lopez, and Richard Sambora. So there's quite a list of celebrities that lent their um, presence into the game, licensed presence, I suppose. <laughs> and then last of the expansion packs is Making Magic, which allows Sims to cast spells. And they alter, I did not get to play that, but I think they alter the moods and the stats of other Sims, I guess. Um, so the Sims one is my first pick for tonight. Anybody else played it? Question. Yes, is this is the first sim that you can shag? I knew you were going to ask that question. I knew it was coming. What? I knew this was a question. I knew this was going to happen. Uh, what, what do you call it? Woohoo? Is it? Yes, it's the woohoo. It's the woohoo. But is that, that's not, it must have a higher rating, obviously. It's an ER, it must be a mature rating in that game or something along those lines. If you've got to have private part trope and naked bodies, you know they're virtual. They must be, you're not appropriate for children. <laughs> Yes, I don't have the box, so I don't see the rating. I lost the box, unfortunately, the big, big ass box. <laughs> so I only got this CD and not the manual, unfortunately. But I'm not sure what ESRB or Peggy rating this one has. I mean, Most probably, it's going to be teen. It must be teen. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Teens, because it it has the pixels when they get naked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's censorship. You can actually and edit the censorship out and it's just like a birthday suit. <laughs> Another question. Uh, can you zoom in them shaggy? <laughs> I mean, this ain't... I mean, what, what are we trying to do here? I mean, I, I don't know if you can... I think in the later revisions, because they did make later ones after, it's not just expansion pack with Sims 2 and with all the others that came out afterwards. There were packs which were more adult-oriented. I believe that. I could be talking rubbish. But I believe they were because I remember selling some of this stuff. It's not a game that I, I I would personally go for, personally, but I can understand the appeal of playing a game and playing out a fantasy when you simulate it or whatever it is. Not, not, I'm not talking about the, the, the sexualized aspect of it, but, you know, like going to work, having a job, having a family and all the, all the sort of fun aspects of it. But you could really get into stuff like this if this is your kind of jam. And... The issue, I personally can understand why it was so popular because my, there's a friend called, my brother, friend Renel was the first person who had this game. And he goes, you don't know about The Sims? And he would spend hours playing this game. He was so immersed into it. And I got to the point of like, well, what's the real world? This or this? You know, what, what are you going to, you know, how many hours do you spend on this game? And he spent hours and hours grooming his, his avatar to do certain things. And he really loved it. He was really into it because it's like, how long is a piece of string? This game would never end. It was like the never-ending story. That's the thing with games like Sims, and that was that is how PC games with MMORPGs and all sorts of games they just never end. And there's there's a danger. This is like the first one that would that I remember that would just last forever. There was no point to the game. Definitive start finish. You just enjoy evolving your little sim and, and do what you want to do. And that was the most insidious aspect of this game and you want to keep coming back more and more to sort of develop and that, that was the first that was like the first game of its kind I remember and every, when, when after my friend Renaud everyone was talking about it 
they played The Sims, The Sims, I'm doing this, this is what I'm doing with my entire life. It blew up and it with The Sims too. I thought, okay, The Sims crazy have died down. No, a mother came in to the shop and asked him for their kid. To, Can I have, my son wants to have The Sims too. He wants this special. And she knew the expansion cat because the kid wanted it. So The Sims, the sequels actually grew up just as popular as the original. And I was shocked at like how, come on, people must have gotten onto this as a gimmick. But it was just as um, insidious as Pokemon was for PC. I don't understand the appeal of Sims, to be honest. The first time I saw Sim, the first one, when uh, when it came out, I'm like, "Oh, this is so. This is like if your if your uh, if your Barbie dolls can move in a virtual react uh, in a virtual world, mm. this would be it." I mean, I mean, that's it. I mean, is there a story here? I mean, all you do is just control their control their everyday day to day lives, right? It's, is there it's anything else? Isn't it? It's a way of playing Maple Leafs. It's, it's like a doll's house in your PC, isn't it? Is that, is that yeah. an analogy? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. If, I don't want to sound sexist here. But I, um, I actually, I bought this and I never played it ever because my girlfriend was addicted to it. My, girl, my girlfriend <laughs> at the time was addicted to it. Same. And, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm wondering if this is, and I don't want to sound sexist, but I'm wondering if a big part of this appeal is the kind of female nurturing, you know, nest building, homely, um yeah. you you tell me yeah. miss eileen is that do you think that might be true or am i being sexist i'm not sure because i, ju- I really just love simulation games in general <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i just love simulation games well, well, from a woman's point of view, i know you don't want to speak for all women but do you think that could be the case do you think there are some women that like this sort of stuff because they have the maternal instinct and nurturing instinct. You think that does, they, does this game hone to your nurturing instinct if you got if you have one? I'm digging myself a right hole here, aren't I, with you? Yeah. But, but do you think do you think that could be the case from a women's point of view? I'm just mm. guessing. I'm not really sure because sure. there are also men who play this game for the laughs instead. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I played I played it but not as long as my uh, girlfriend is playing it. Because I played, I played Sims 3, um, so my girlfriend just um, playing it, then she also invites her friends to play it. So they spent most of the time playing uh, uh, Sims 3 on my laptop back then, than I did. So did they invite you to Shag though? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> In real life? They did say they did not. 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 not. They did not. They did She um, let's say she loves interior design and architecture, so she loves designing uh, the homes well, more than know. controlling yeah. the lives okay. of the people. So there's also that creativity aspect of the Sims games. Yeah. And this is so what I like with the Maxis games because I remember uh, Spore was a Maxis game, I guess. There. More yes. into the creativity games. Uh, Spore, you play as a uh, like a god who can um, 
you create monsters with parts right uh, it's what i love with the maxis games they they like spurt creativity in gamers i think it's post maxis will write game ah, I, think. I, I think so i'm not sure somebody correct me if i'm wrong by the way just uh, a note for the sims games unfortunately it's hard to make them work on modern windows so i just hope uh, i'm not sure if it will ever be released be released on modern pcs hmm. but yes it does not work not on even with, not even with compatibility mode yes it doesn't work like that unfortunately even oh. i've tinkered with all the compatibility modes it doesn't work unfortunately ah uh, shame for the master race <laughs> <laughs> We then I guess modern pieces are stuck with Sims 4. I'm, I'm aware of the deviant reasons why you wanted that game to run, Sergio, so make it a good thing, okay? I think that's the reason why The Sims 2 was a better game than the... Because it runs on almost all um, platforms, uh, Windows platforms, than the previous one. Well, I also have the Sims 2, I think. I want to check if it still works with Windows 11 or Windows 10. Yeah. I hope so. Let us know if it does. Fingers crossed. Still do. Great choice, mate. Great choice. I appreciate you bringing that one on there. Brilliant. Thank you. And uh, I think it holds... Maybe it holds up to this day uh, in terms of gameplay because it's very simplistic in nature. Um, yeah, I think it's simple. It's easy to go into for anybody trying to get into Sims, but not for anybody who's started with maybe Sims 3 or Sims 4. Not anybody just starting with the Sims. This would be easy to get to. Nice one. Nice one, mate. Nice one. Lovely job. Well, uh, right then, we'll move on to it. Uh, we'll, we will get my fellow Sega Mega Master Virage. Uh, we'll get one of his choices up now. So, uh, what you got for us, buddy? All right, so the, the first game I'm going to talk about is um, it's called Quake 3 Arena by id Software, okay? Now, obviously, we've mentioned Quake 2 um, earlier being one, one of the main sort of main things, but this game, my goodness be, was I addicted to it. It's like the first PC game I addicted to. It came out in 1999. I was, what, 13, 14 then. Now, how I obtained this game was through... Um, it's through, through dirty means because like I had a computer with two disk drives and a copier and my friend my friend came over because I got this game and I just copied it on a blank disk and there it is so I had to you know I, I pirated it I'd say I pirated it I'm a bad man <laughs> but I got the game and back in those days you could do so much with it and as you can see it's a lot more polished to, to those of you who played Quake 2 this is a lot more polished as a game um, the multiplayer on this was the key thing this was the thing and there were two games at the time. There's this game and another game called Unreal Tournament. I know a lot of people love Unreal Tournament, and this is not a slap to you, but I just prefer Quake 3. That's basically it. I like the presentation of it, how you can just you know scroll through the guns, etc., or the different weapons. So you had like a you know, well, the aim of the game is just to kill people. That's basically it, and, and go through it and each level. So you got that sort of campaign mode, which is you get different characters and you have to kill them, and the AI is stronger as you go along the level. That's basically fundamentally the game. But it's the multiplayer mode that kept me coming back for more playing online. And as you can see, graphically, it looks primitive by today's standards, but it was pretty cool back then. And most computers could run this on their graphics card. That's the key mm. thing. Um, it didn't require a really high-end graphics mm. card. So it was such a playable game. There's always yeah. people on the service to play this game. Um, you know, and you had different characters you could play as and, and whatnot um, in, in the Quake world. Um, 
But yeah, what I loved about it was the different array of weapons you can get. So here you see in the demo a rocket launcher being used. Um, obviously you can, you've got armor as well. You've got um, the plasma gun, which is another personal favorite of mine. There's also the BFG, which is, um, as we know, the big yeah. gun. Um, so that's actually the one weapon you want to get. But um, yeah, you obviously pick up ammo and, and whatever and, and play online and whoever gets the most frags, you know, the most kills wins. That's basically yeah. it. And there's obviously capture the enemy flag, which is my, my, the one I love to do. I could just go online easily and um, play play like 50-50, you know, whoever's there, five people on one team, five on the other team, and you capture the enemy flag. That's basically it, kind of like paintball, but online. So a lot of fun. Um, going back to the weapons, different weapons have different effects, like the rail gun, you can, you can shoot into people and just kill them straight away. You've got a shotgun, which is good for close quarters. So different um, weapons on this game have their, their, their strengths and weaknesses. Another reason I really love this game is um, if you had a mouse with a wheel on it, you could easily just scroll through the weapons. So in terms of if I was to play this game on a console, and it was released for Dreamcast, I wouldn't have had that you know, that intuitive, intuitive control mechanism. It would have been harder for me to change through the weapons. On the PC, you could do it quite easily. So you have the benefit of that. Um, and, and with the pinpoint accuracy of a mouse, it just made it so fun to play. Like The, the controls for this were so well-tuned. And that's one thing I really loved about Quake 3 Arena. Um, so yeah, that's just basically Quake 3 Arena in a nutshell. You know, it's a game that I just kept, I was just addicted to. I just kept coming back and, you know, I wanted to be the first and, you know, and, and that's how it was, you know. You, you just go through the, for each level that's, that's crafted as well. And I love the level design as well. Um, and they're in different worlds and different places and whatnot. You can jump on platforms, you can go into dark bits and whatever. But yeah, fundamentally that's Quake 3 in a nutshell. It's just a good old fashioned, fun FPS game where you can have fun with your mates and just kill them. And it was just so playable because nobody needed to really upgrade their graphics card for it. Anyone could play this game. Um, and you, you played Quake 2 before this, mate? Yes, yes I did. And whilst, what I will say about Quake 2 is its first player mode, it's, 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 it's better, to be honest. It's right. a better single player mode. Um, in terms of the fact that it has a bit more depth to it than this, but yeah. in terms of multiplayer, this is the one. This is the one that I really love. Um, and that's why this, this game gets a bit of flack because people yeah. didn't like the single player mode this it was too easy or whatever but you can always change it to a difficult section it can get quite hard as well but yeah I did play quite too but number number three that's the one this is the one that I really loved and I just got really addicted to I think uh, another reason was graphically it was just that much better and more polished than Quake 2 you know as you can clearly see here so yeah Quake 3 good old fashioned FPS not the best FPS but for me that was my FPS for the era and I enjoyed playing I understand a lot people say unreal tournament was better what's wrong with you the redeemer is so much better weapon than the, the bfg you could do so much with unreal tournament and I, I get it but this game has its merits and i'm going to sing about it because everybody sings about unreal tournament so there you go. Mm. nice this the game that yes go ahead uh that no, I'm saying nice choice. That's all, mate. Nice choice. Yeah. Mm. Was this the game that um, where they got the monster kill, or like the announcer saying monster kill, or or was it a different game? I think it was this game. You know, when you kill when you kill a number of people at once. Um, I don't know if it said monster kill. You know, what? it's so long ago. I can't even remember. Yeah. It, it, it was like it might have been one of these games by its software, but I don't know if it was this one. It might have been Quake Two. When you kill a lo load of people at once, it does actually say mm. something, but I just can't remember what it was. So it could yeah. well be that. But yeah, um, it's, it, like obviously there is a narrator in there that says you are in the lead. You know, two frags left, yeah. one frag left, and then you've won. So it might have very well been that, or 
you know, um, excellent. And it tells you, you know, how well you're doing. If you're killing loads of people at once, that's it. And it, it also has a little commentary tag there. You can talk to people, taunt them and, and things like that. I think the most, the, I know it does say humiliation because if you run out of weapons and, and bullets, you do have this thing called the, see that little fist thing there? When, when you see the weapon icon, you've got one that's just a little fist. That's the grinder, which is basically like a, a grinding tool on your wrist. And you can kill people by, by just sawing them to death. And if you kill someone like that, it says humiliation, because it is humiliating. I mean, getting killed by a weapon, when you've got a gun and somebody kills you with a knife, it's one of those things. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And I, I really did love the game and, and how it played. Um, that's what I will say. Nice one. Great choice, mate. Great choice, that. It's, uh, I thought we might get an FPS on there pretty soon. And uh, yeah, pretty early on. So that's brilliant, mate. But let's go off to... So I've been it 20 years, you know. I need to give this one a go now. It's made me want to play it looking at the video. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, get your first one then, Juan. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yes, my first game, it's going to be Sanitarium from 1998. Uh, developed by Dreamforge Entertainment and published by AC ASC Games. Um, this game is a point-and-click uh, psychological horror game. So it's like um, uh, those PC point-and-click games that we used to play. Um, uh, King's Quest, uh, those yeah. uh, kinds of games. So uh, you also have those Indiana game, Indiana Jones games. So this is a much more modern point-and-click game so in this particular game you play as an amnesiac who woke up in an asylum he never he didn't have had his memory first when he was introduced in the game so his face is covered with bandage bandages and it's stained with blood um, it looks like that um, his face was um, surgically repaired and he didn't have his um, memories so that's the premise he they, he's doing some soul searching and in every level he becomes a different person or uh, like a different character from his mem from his uh, childhood memories. At one point, um, he became a. Uh, at one uh, level, he became a cartoon, um, a comic strip character. Yeah, uh, it's like a isekai game or uh, like a game that. Uh, uh, involves uh, what they call this interdimensional travel so it teleport each level teleports him into deep, uh, deep faculties of his mind like a comic book uh, a memory of her uh, of her of his sister and some other characters that I won't uh, mention anymore because it's spoiler so in this game, this game is very grotesque. It's very surreal. You got monsters, but you you are able to do um, some action gameplay. But it's more of uh, puzzles, and there's also a story. Um, just like modern RPGs, you have you can select your um, course of dialogue, 
and uh, as a kid playing this it gave me nightmares because it's really grotesque some of the there's one creature here that's deformed it, he looks like he's going he's uh initially he was initially a human but he it seems like he's becoming a plant or something so that's really it messes up your mind so it made me interested with psychological thriller or psychological genre uh horror genre like silent hill in movies you got shutter island and fight club something like that it made me uh, get hooked into the psycho psychological thriller or horror genre and it's considered as a hidden gem it's available in uh, gog.com if you'd like to try it so that's my first game nice one my nice it, look, it looks like uh, it looks like something I'd be interested in because it, it actually it seems um, to have a bit of an RPG um, <laughs> style to it as well as it being an adventure game so uh, it looks very intriguing and the, and the horror aspects look very intriguing too so uh, I think I might I'll, I'll uh, give this one a try for sure mate same here uh, very, very yeah. scary you... looking game it's like Tim Burton made it yeah uh, yeah yeah Exactly. Look at those. Um, I was going to say Tim Burton, like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's too scary. What is it with you and these scary Man, games? Clearly, there are a lot of um, there are a lot of visuals in here that are, that can really scare you. I mean, just the visuals alone, just the the background, um, the kids playing. There's nothing so creepy about that. I mean, there's nothing else creepy about the kids playing on a very secluded or alone area, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. in the some characters dance, uh, flailing, dancing around for some reason. And this, this, this is one um, that I, I've not actually, I've heard of the name one, but I, I've never, I've never really know, I didn't really know much about this. So I'm gonna, when I come off this show, I'm gonna put this on my wish list, and if it's on sale, I will, I will grab it, mate, definitely. Right. I hope you enjoyed the game because I did. <laughs> <laughs> And and I played this back when I was that was around ninety eight. So I was twelve. Mm. Yeah, I was twelve back then. Were you too young to and, escape? Yeah, I mean, it's it, a bit scary, you know. Yeah, I, I didn't care about ESRB or something like that. I just I mean, did it give you like this trauma? Did you get bad dreams? I mean, it looks kind of scary. Man. I mean, like, what about the yeah. music in this game? Is the music scary as well? Does it have that sort of atmospheric fear factor? Yeah. It, you know what I, you know what I like about these kinds of games. I mean, sure, uh, the horror genre evolved throughout the years as technology went on. They they really look they really look more realistic now more than ever. But games like this during the during the late eighties, early nineties, all you have there is your imagination. You can see everyone on the screen, but you never know what they're going to do next. And that's the thing. <laughs> The def, the def, they definitely leave more, more to room, the imagination, room for tension. Yeah, more to the imagination, and 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 in that, there's more room for tension because you, you, your mind's ticking over what potentially could happen. Oh, potentially, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a great, that's a great choice, uh, JDM. Nice one, Chief. Nice Very one. We'll move on to well, you might as well give us yours then, Joe. Oh, uh, we're, we're going with my next. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, here we go. Um, <laughs> what's, with, what's with the laughter? Okay. There's something we have to worry about. 
<coughs> Not um, safe for public transport. <laughs> okay. So, um, so you know me, guys. Uh, I'm a JRPG kind of guy, and so to prepare for this particular episode, I scoured the net uh, for some uh, PC games from the from the 90s up to the 2005s, and there were a lot of JRPGs that came out, but more on the 2006 onwards, and there um, there were a few. Um, that were translated into English by uh, by a fan translation group, and so I found two. And mind you, I didn't realize it's going to be like this. It's just a happy coincidence that I found them to be like this. Okay, so the first <laughs> so the first <laughs> game that I'm going to talk about is uh, is a game um, called Men at Work Two. <laughs> I don't know why it's called like it's it's called that. Um, it's a, it's a, it, it kind of sounds like something that you'll hear on a gay bar. <laughs> yeah, Men at Work Two. So this is the second game. It's a sequel we're talking about. There's a Men at Work One. Yeah, Men at Work One. That's what. <laughs> so I'm not sure about Men at Work One, but this is Men at Work Two, and um, and it took me a while to understand why it's called that. So. I'm gonna show you the um, the game. Uh, and surprisingly enough, there's not much uh, there's not much videos about this uh, about this game. Uh, so um, so Men at Work uh, exclamation point two was developed and published by Studio E. Was released only in Japan on November of 2000, and the English translation was released by Mirror Moon, fully playable for PC on July 2008. So it is a mixture of a visual novel, dating simulation, and role-playing game in one. Uh, yeah, with some not stay for work content, of course. Um, story. Uh, so the plot revolves around a teenage male lead character who found himself orphaned by the loss of his father. He was then approached by two, uh, by two strangers introducing themselves as hunters who wanted to pay respects to their deceased benefactor, uh, the, the dad. And they offered the lead character an opportunity to become a hunter under their academy. So he, re- he reluctantly agreed to the offer and left his home along with his adopted sister. To become hunters in training, yeah? And uh, so he was about to find out that being a hunter does not necessarily mean what the word implies. And the lead character will be joined by other girls, of course, who are also training to be hunters. And together, they will do uh, they will do various tasks to keep, the, uh, to keep the academy afloat and avoid selling the place and deal with a mysterious evil that is hunting the hunters. Ooh. Okay, so let's talk about the visuals. As you can see there, artwork reminds me of that awkward time between the transition period of late 1990s and early 2000s anime. The characters were pretty drawn decently with some various expressions depending on the mood. Oh, the background is just a still image. Typical for most uh, visual novels. Every once in a while, there will be special images that will be unlocked as you progress. <laughs> and all of these pictures will be available in the game's gallery. And unfortunately, uh, guys uh, who, was wa- who are watching us in the video, I cannot show you any of those images because... but. These guys right here, they can vouch for me. I've been sending them pictures <laughs> of all of those, uh, of all of those uh, special images, so they can, uh, so they can. Lucky us! Yeah, 
cannot test that I'm uh, that I'm telling the truth. All right, so take my word for it. Uh, audio, the uh, the music sounds like they took a few tracks with looping synthesizers, then just added some other musical instruments. Uh, this is a pretty common practice in most J-pop music, anyway, uh, especially during around this time period. All right, gameplay. So as far as the dating simulation aspect goes, you need to be constantly talking to the girls scattered all over the city during your free time from 10 o'clock in the morning up to 5 p.m. Each place will uh, each place will subtract subtract two hours from your uh, from your clock, and uh, so you need to be careful on who to talk with. Once 6 p.m. hits sundown, you will automatically go back to the academy. And during the after hours, you also uh, you also need to visit the girls in their respective rooms, wink wink, from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. And uh, each visit will take you one hour uh, from uh, from your clock. So once 11 p.m. hits, you will automatically sleep in your own room. And mind you, if you talk to the girls at the right place and at the right time, you won't be sleeping alone. Haha. -ha. <laughs> uh, so. As far as the RPG side goes, right? Combat, turn-based style. Similar to Sugaden 1 and 2. Meaning you will have a maximum of three characters in front of the line. And uh, the remaining will be at the back on standby. If one of the characters are, uh, are, uh, are nearly about to die, you can swap them over, right? Uh, uh, oh, so, uh, so you choose which action they should take first. And then once you chose... Uh, once you chose what you wanted to do and then every character will start acting depending on how high on how high their agilities are there will be a number assigned to each character on the combat field that signifies who will act first so as you can see there on the screen it has you can see one two five three and four so that means this particular person will act first and then the other one is second and then a monster will act third fourth and then fifth so on and so on so, so mm. that's how you know who is going to act first. So by knowing that, you can plan whether you should attack or whether you should heal or whether you should defend. Mm. took me a while to understand this mechanic uh, the hard way. Oh, mm. uh, there, are two ways of, uh, there are two ways of getting stronger here. Leveling up, leveling up by defeating monsters and getting credit points by completing odd jobs. And... Uh, the game does not tell you how much experience you are getting after uh, after a battle or two, nor does it tell you how much more enemies you have to defeat in order to level up. Right? The status screen just shows you a basic stats, the basic stats of your character, uh, all of your characters. And the only change that I notice is that more magic and skills will be unlocked the more levels you gain. And, okay, sure. Uh, the credit points. Oh. You can get uh, you can get them uh, depending on how difficult the job is. You take the credit points to the weapon shop and uh, talk to the macho shopkeeper there, who gives you a very suggestive look. <laughs> and then uh, with your credit points, he will allocate one credit point to each of your basic stats like strength, defense, agility, yada yada yada. And so it's up to you whether you like to buff your attack power or be a tank defender, or be the fastest one to act, yeah? Uh, oh, the shopkeeper, he doesn't sell you equipment for some reason. Being a weapon shop, <laughs> he doesn't sell you weapons. So where do I get my weapons, right? You need to find those inside the dungeons. This game does not know what it wants it to be. And I am convinced that the developers wanted it to be an erotic visual novel first, and an RPG second. 
for each chapter in the game, you may be just fighting inside the dungeon maybe once or twice. The dungeons themselves, not really very intricate, very short to complete. I mentioned about the equipment to be found, but sometimes they are so well hidden behind obstacles that you will might miss them entirely. And you cannot move the camera angles. It just stays in a permanent isometric view. Mm-hmm. You can, I tried I tried every button, it just doesn't move. So most of the time, I'll, I just keep on uh, roaming around aimlessly uh, just to uh, just finding every nook and cranny, hoping that I might find something. Uh, oh, the tutorial in this game, very, inadequ- uh, very inadequate. I believe Mirror Room, the group that did the translation, they might have forgot the imperative details of the combat system and how properly getting stronger uh, you should be. So I had to learn everything the hard way, yeah? And I thought that leveling up will increase my stats, but I noticed I'm still considerably weak as I fight stronger enemies. And I did not realize about the credit points up until chapter two. And the only reason I did that is because I experimented on randomly clicking the, uh, I just randomly clicking the status screen. That's how I found out. And uh, oh, speaking of leveling up in the dungeon, you can grind all you want, but the game will not allow you to save your progress while inside the dungeon, which is bullshit. <laughs> if you fail to complete the mission, regardless of the reason, the game will send you back outside of the dungeon. And once the dungeon is complete, it is gone for good from the map. So there is no way to grind four levels until the next one opens up. If it wasn't for the dating simulation, uh, this game is so linear. The random encounter rate, annoyingly high. My suggestion uh-huh. is putting up the agility points of all of your characters so that they can act first. Some of the enemies here can really hit you harder and they can really hit you faster than you can. So you will be, uh, you'll end up being wiped out even before you're getting the chance to act. Uh, for the rest of the game, you will be so busy reading the dialogue and trying to find out which girl to talk to next. It's important because the end goal here is shagging with them one by one. Yeah. Good luck. And yeah. There is uh, there is full frontal nudity. These guys can attend uh, can attest to that. Uh, the game offers you that, assuming you know how to see them, of course. There is a walkthrough online that you can follow to see the erotic scenes. You cannot chat with all of the girls in, in your first playthrough, unfortunately. And apparently, you need to complete the route of each specific girl first before you can do the others. Ha! You can do the others. <laughs> so, this is how the game gets its replayability. Uh, you can just try doing a Google search for the erotic parts. But I dare you try typing men at work too in the search bar. And let's, and let's see if Google gives you the same erotic pictures from the game and not something else. <laughs> Mind you, I tried and I'm like, oh, this is, I don't, I, I'm not sure this is the right man at work. But I'm looking. So, on one hand, you have, okay, so I just want to ask a question here. So, okay, you mentioned how there's erotic um, art in this game. The dialogue is it as is it as vulgar as I mean obviously we've got full front nudity that's as much as we got here I mean I mean is the language between the, the, the guy the lead male talking to these women here is that as vulgar as the uh, the art well what is it well what is her bridge so is the language used so if there's like dialogue obviously you're talking to these girls is the language as erotic as the art that we're looking at that's the question oh the dialogue oh yeah so if if the dialogue is just like uh, so if this, if we are going to compare it with Artonoliko Koga, the last time, I played, the dialogue here not really. 
it's 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 very clean to be honest. Oh. I mean, they, 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 it's not very suggestive at all. Um, uh, they they don't really talk about uh, it's so it's more of a it's very vanilla. That's all I can say. Oh. So I talk about the dating simulation here. Uh, so you you only the uh, you the only male guy in the academy right there. So you're the only guy in there uh, being surrounded by a bunch of girls. Uh, the the male lead is pretty awkward. He's not really. Uh, he's, he's not a, He's not the alpha male who likes he's to. Chat. You know. Uh, he's, a to, he's a nerd. Yeah, he, not necessarily a nerd, but he's he's quite shy. It's a quiet because, boy. Um, because uh, the only girl that he uh, the only girl that he's with the whole time is his sister. That's all. I mean, there's, there's a bit. I mean, that in itself is a bit. That raises questions. That, that in itself, there's something depraved. Well, about. you 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 mentioned that, but there is a part. Uh, but uh, if you're going to play the route of the sister, uh, there are some instances that they tend to get more self-aware with each other, and that's the start. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's the start of the thing. <laughs> so the, the draw, the point to this game is this weird Japanese erotic or sense of erotica, which is borderline incestual, and um, it's quite it's quite quite perverted, really. And that's the draw of it. If you're into this sort of stuff, hey, there is this, uh, <laughs> there is this saying. I believe uh, I believe Sun Tzu mentioned this in the Art of War. If if she's not related, she can be dated. <laughs> I think that's the. I think that's a saying. That's a so, del, uh, that's the old Chinese you, saying. Because she's, she's your stepsister. Is that what you're saying? You know, is that what we're doing with this? It's not step, a stepsister though. It's an adopted sister. Basically, the, oh, uh, oh. the sister is an uh, is an orphan that was uh, was just adopted to the family, and uh, so it's just the two of them. Uh, if you're going to read the dialogue, uh, they've been be, uh, they've been sleeping with. Uh, They've been sleeping beside each other. They've seen each other naked when they were kids. So uh, when uh, when they talk to each other, they are so familiar. They, um, there are some instances that you might walk into the bath and she's there, and she's like, "Oh, no big deal, right?" All right. And sometimes you're getting cha- uh, and you and the male character. Sometimes you you are changing, and then she walks into the door. She sees you naked, and uh, no big deal. <laughs> Up until that certain point of the game, things got a little bit dicey, and they got. Uh, let's just say, the more they see each other naked, the more stuff starts grinding. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Well, well I, I'm, I'm definitely not going to touch that because if it's got a high encounter rate, uh, that's that's a deal breaker. That's a deal breaker. Yeah. So, that so is a deal breaker. I mean, a lot of grinding. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, that, that, but to be honest, uh, so recommendation: there are other JRPGs for the PC that have better gameplay, or visual novels mm. for the PC that have better pornographic offerings. Okay, and this game came out in the year 2000, right? And there were a lot of games that the developers could have taken inspiration from. And my guess is that the pro- uh, the production team of the game was so limited that this was the best that they could do. Yeah, given on what they had. Uh, so to those people out there who uh, who like to get away from the traditional JRPGs, this game might be the one for you because it really did went out of the way, going out of tradition. 
Well, on, on the surface, it does actually look like a traditional JRPG. The only difference is mm. there's a perverted element to it. That's all I can really see from the surface of what you've shown. Aren't they all? Although this is more, this is just more upfront. Uh, and I mentioned it to the guys, uh, uh, and I mentioned it to the group chat. If so, uh, if uh, if Persona, Persona Five, Thousand Arms were more upfront with their dating simulations, you know, if they were just, you know, uh, not just ending it with a kiss, <laughs> this would have been it. <laughs> it's really rare to see these kinds of games on the PC because the RPG games that I played on the PC are like Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale. Uh, those are the um, typical RPG games that you could play uh, w- where you can use the mouse. This looks like a console game for me. It is a console game. Oh, huh? uh, speaking of being a console game, uh, to Sir Dan, the artwork right there is very similar to Tales of the Sky. The battle system as well. So, um, looking at uh, looking looking at the gameplay right now, it's very reminiscent of Tales of the uh, Trail of the Sky. The first time I played it, uh, that's the first thing that I thought of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not actually played that one. Um, I, I started on Cold Steel and I, I didn't take it to the series, but um, but uh, I am planning on on playing uh, Trials of uh, of the Sky. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Trails of uh, tra- uh, if Trails of Cold Steel is also a dating simulation, if they're also upfront with their dating simulation, it, it will be it will turn be like that. <laughs> except, except less boring because Cold Steel were, were absolutely boring. I thought it were a very boring game. There so. are a lot of fan service, but never full frontal, which is a boo. Boo. Love the artwork <laughs> though. Love the artwork, but can you get naked for me, please? But no, that, <laughs> I digress. Uh, anyway. Which game was that in for the? Uh, PS1 thousand was the thousand arms. Thousand arms, yeah. Huh? It, it's a simul uh, a dating sim dating simulation RPG. RPG. Yeah. yeah, you guys should try that as well. Right. Now that one uh, for for every time you finish a date with a girl, they uh, if you did good, they will give you a kiss like a real like a, like a real smooch. That's yeah. that's quite sweet. Like on the cheek. I'm sticking my tongue out, but they don't. <laughs> Shall we move on to the next game? <laughs> yeah. right. I think before we, 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 we did the X-rated uh, episode last week, didn't we, or the other week? So, uh, so let's let, let's get let's get. Thanks for that, um, Sir Joe. Very much appreciated, mate. Um, we'll move next on to, to, to Sir Paul then. Oh, well, that that was one that was one long um, <laughs> take on that on that game, and I think we forgot that we're a family show on that part. But then that's the game. <laughs> yeah, that's oh the yeah, game. it's a family show. <laughs> Guess we that's why I wanted. Uh, that's why I wanted somebody else to talk because you know I, I might say something else. <laughs> <laughs> I I can already imagine that. <laughs> so. As as for my first pick, well, it's very it's it's very common since number one, it's in my background, right there, and yes. it it was the game that saved me from being bored all this time. After finishing lots of solitaire decks, after learning how pre-sell works, after giving up on Minesweeper because I still can't finish it. Then I found Pinball, or specifically 3D Pinball Space Cadet. So this is simply just a game of pinball in your PC. And 
and this and this would and this would have been the second pinball game that I have played after the pinball on the Nintendo Entertainment System. As for you, the... before you go any further, Sapau, have you ever played a pinball in real life on a, on a full machine? Unfortunately, I haven't, and because because I haven't seen I haven't seen an actual one in real life. Got you. So this this um, this is your 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 main introduction to it, then. Yes, the the compute the computers are the ones that introduced me to pinball, and it made it made me dream of trying one sometime soon, maybe in the future. But yeah, then, you might be uh, you might start breaking one soon as well if you're playing on an actual <laughs> pinball. Uh, I can I can see Sir Paul losing his cool. <laughs> yeah, breaking a pinball or two. Maybe, maybe I would have done the same thing that you can do in the game itself because in in yeah. this in this pinball game you can actually nudge the table oh, in no. order for, in yeah. order for the ball to move in the direction you want to. Although the although the nudging ability is very much limited because if you nudge the table too much, it will make you unable to use the flippers. Yeah, how do maybe. you nudge the table? Do you nudge the keyboard? Oh, no, no. Do, do you nudge the Just monitor? A I was hoping it was that way, but in order for you to <laughs> nudge the table, you have to press certain buttons like X to nudge it from the left from the left side, C to nudge it from below, and V to nudge it from from the right side. <laughs> you grab then, your monitor, then <laughs> shake the <laughs> that shake that would have been up. that would have been cool, but no, it doesn't happen because. <laughs> Far as I can remember, 3D pinball only appeared on Windows 95, 98, 2000, and Millennium Edition. Once X, once XP began, I did, I did, I was not able to play pinball that much anymore. Mm. But It's then, really interesting. Really interesting. but but then, fortunately for me, last actually just last night, I was able to find a copy. For me to enjoy it once again, and in preparation for this episode as well. Nice. Although, if you will check the Microsoft Store of or of a present-day Windows like 10 or 11, you can find a game there called Pinball Stars, which is actually based from this very 3D pinball, only with with texture of the colors that seem to be painful in your retina or optic nerve wherever you want wherever you want to point that out and it's it's not the same feeling as it as it goes to the sound effects and the music being played if you if you are going to play it with a music so if if you are going to try the modern the modern remake or the modern remaster Stick with stick with the older one because it it's still better, uh, it's still better than the newer version. As for the ga- as for the gameplay, it it tells you what to do as along along while you play. Where once once a, once the ball hits or goes through certain spots, it will tell you what to do. Like hit flip hit those flag hit those yellow flags. Bump, bump those bumpers. Keep re-entering that. What do you call that? That I think that's a tunnel right there on the on the left side of the board. In order for you to in order for you to get missions that will keep that will 
that will keep you playing as long as the ball does not does not fall does not fall over and I guess, and that's about and that's about it. You have three you have three lives or three balls to attempt to go for a high score and which and that's and that's actually what an actual pinball machine <laughs> actual pinball machine's objectives for you to get a get a high score well at least on on a pinball that that's like this and that that does not dispense tickets like in the like in the like in the amusement like in the amusement parks or mm, right amuse or in the arcades something like that I, mean, I have a question for uh, I have a question for all of you pinball players out there whether the real thing console or PC is it is it true the harder you push the button the harder those paddles swing in some yeah. of the games in some of the games that is the case uh, it's it's how quickly you can push it so some some pinball games I've played a number in my time um, for example Sonic Spinball was the first one I ever played on the Mega Drive and with that if you just Depending on the angling of, of where Sonic is as a ball, if you whack it quickly, he does go faster. Yeah, um, it's not it's not pressure sensitive by any means. But there are other there's other pinball games such as Sonic Pinball Party I played on um, my, my Game Boy Advance and uh, Pokemon Pinball as well. Similar, but in in the real world with real pinball machines, it's definitely based on kinetic movement and energy that you uh, put into the yeah. into the mechanism. And uh, yeah, in the real okay. a real pinball machine does need real energy, real, needs real springs, real power that you actually whack yeah, it. Yeah. You you have a lot more control with the different it pinball. It's different the mechanics, are different, and it's all down to the program and the programming. Yeah. The different pinball games work differently that's the fact this and this, this, this mirage will be it will be familiar with this this to me is the greatest pinball game ever made on home computer and that's devil crash devil from Sega of course. Yeah. Yeah. Devil yeah. that's the game that sir dan let us play yeah. <laughs> um, yes that's i, I mean there's, there's, there's that alien too. crush and there's so many in that in that particular series and there's so many great pinball games this particular one that um so power is talking about i remember selling like when i first started working this was the like there was a laptop section in the shop and that game was running it was that very game so for me it's a nostalgia hit because i remember selling that old windows 2000 or mepc before windows xp came in and that was like the demo that was running on it and like my manager told me off because I was playing that game on the shop floor. He's <laughs> like, "You're here to sell. You're not here to play bloody video games." I'm like, well, I just wanted to try it out, man. I've got to have to know what it's like to sell it. But it, it was actually a very, very good, like, built-in free freeware for a computer for anyone to play. And um, it's actually a very well-made pinball game. So it's a good chat, so pal. You know, it's, I'll tell you something. I, it, when I put the subject up of favorite PC games. I would never have dreamt that there'd be a perverted JRPG and a pinball game in the selection. Yeah. I, I've got to say that yeah. you would not yeah, associate. I would have thought they would have picked something like Morrowind or, or an MMORPG. Yeah. yeah. With, with, with PC, you think MMORPGs. That's what yeah. we're about, like Warcraft and things No, like that. no, no. Uh, there's no point of, of choosing those uh, low hanging fruits. No, no. We're <laughs> yeah, a more dignified show. <laughs> I guess this is. I guess this is why they call. It's a lot more sexualized for you, Sir Joe. That's not a surprise, you know. I remember reading in the newspaper once where there was a man who was talking to a girl on Warcraft, and her avatar and his avatar was naked, and his wife 
basically left the computer and his wife, that man's wife walked in and saw that, you know, this girl was stroking the, sh- the shift key for this girl and it ended in divorce. That's how bad it was. His wife playing this role-playing game with this other girl with a naked avatar. And I remember like, the person who showed me this article was a girl in my university and she goes, Viraj, is that, is that cheating? I'm like, what? And I looked at the article and I was thinking, oh, it's strange, what do you think, Roger? And she put me in and I'm thinking, well, Cheat, I suppose you're trying to say cheating is in the mind, right? That's where you're going with this thing. He hasn't, he hasn't, actually, physically, he hasn't well, physically performed the act. He's just living out of fantasy, right? Yeah, but like, he should be thinking this is that this is not, uh, <laughs> To all of you ladies out there, uh, this is not really cheating. It's, it's oh. just culture for the gentleman, okay? No, but hang on, if you're talking just to another user... Gentlemen who have, who have certain tastes. <laughs> 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 who have refined Obviously. taste in women. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of people who have refined taste in women, uh, we have Sir Joel sending us his uh, <laughs> sending us his video recording about his choices of the PC games and a very special message to Sir Dan as well. Uh, so uh, here it is, uh, Sir Joel, who unfortunately cannot be here with us live. So, uh, yep. Here he is. All right, here I am. I'm sorry I can't join you guys in this amazing discussion. I'm absolutely sure that whatever you guys have talked about right now regarding 90s uh, PC games has been really something that I'm imagining the audience is enjoying right now. But first things first, I'm gonna have to say, Dan Faulkner, I have a bone to pick with you. Do you know why? Because you've made me choose what my favorite PC games of that era were. And it's like trying to choose my favorite child. I'm a brood of 12. It's almost impossible for me to choose what my favorite PC game of that era was because there are so many great PC games that I played back then and enjoyed. And for you to make me choose two of the very best that I feel I enjoyed the most of, I, I it's it's blasted impossible. I mean, there are so many great games that came out then, like Baldur's Gate, an RPG that I absolutely love. There's Capitalism Plus. It's an economic sim where you build an empire from scratch uh, using money and investments and everything. Uh, there's also the amazing series uh, of Conquest of the New World, a tactical strategy game. I know I'm crap at tactical strategy, but it, that one I really enjoyed. I, I played a lot of. And of course, there's also the amazing series of, of games like well, the Leisure Suit Larry series. A lot of them, some of them actually came out in the 90s and those were enjoyable too. But I digress. You've made me choose my two favorite PC games of the 1990s era. And I'll have to settle for a couple that I completely enjoyed, but I can't really say my, are my all-time top because it's impossible for me to say which ones are my all-time tops. I'll just say, that um, my first most favorite series right now that I can toss out from the top of my head is the Wing Commander series. Well, particularly Wing Commander 3, The Heart of the Tiger, and Wing Commander 4, um, uh, The uh, the Price of Freedom. Now, for those of you who are not familiar, Wing Commander 3 is technically a a flight simulation game, but interlaced with a lot of full motion video. Uh, And they had 
tons. Uh, they had big name actors in the full motion videos uh, included in the game. Basically, it's a flight sim where in the far future, you are part of a confederation uh, where humans are battling against this alien race called the Kilrathi or giant cats, you know, the giant cats of space. And they loathe humans who they call hairless apes. So Wing Commander 3 is, inter is a flight simulation where you blast all of these bad kitties from the sky, well, from space. And you are play the main character. Uh, his 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 name originally was um, uh, was Maverick. His code name was Maverick. His real name in the, in the game was called Colonel Christopher Blair, but he was renamed in Wing Commander Three as the Heart of the Tiger because the enemy him the enemy cats saw him as such a formidable enemy that they renamed him among their ranks. They don't call him Maverick in their ranks. They call him the Heart of the tiger because he was that fearless he was that amazing in battle and he was played by none other than mark hamill the mark hamill you know luke skywalker in the 90s he played this another spacefaring jockey and his name was colonel christopher uh, his name was christopher blair he became colonel later on and he his original call sign was maverick and he eventually became heart of the tiger which is the name of the game wing commander three heart of the tiger again it's a space shooter simulation where you pilot various different ships of different loadouts and different capabilities shooting down um, giant cats in various different ships too but the nice thing about that game was it had a great storyline to go along with the full motion video that that it was running with and um, it had everything it had uh, drama it had comedy oh Tom Wilson Tom Wilson is also there diff from back to the future Tom Wilson plays um I've got his call sign. Uh, 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 um, I think uh, Maniac. And Tom Wilson plays Maniac, and he's he's so funny there. You should actually see his performance. So, uh, all these amazing actors are in there. Uh, Ginger Lynn Allen is also there. Ginger Lynn Allen. If you know, you know. Okay, so basically, Wing Commander Three Heart of the Tiger has action, has drama, it has comedy, it has betrayal, it has everything that you could want for it. You could want in a movie and the gameplay to boot. Now, right after that would be Wing Commander Four: The Price of Freedom. Now it had that one had even more intrigue, even more betrayal, even more drama, some comedy. Ginger Lynn Allen was still there. And of course, Mark Hamill was still there. And of course, Tom Wilson was still there. A lot of other big name actors were there as well during the full motion video. Same thing, much but much better production values, uh, but space shooter, uh, but better presentation. Great storyline. It's, it's just an amazing game overall too. So I'm lumping those two, Wing Commander 3, Heart of the Tiger, and Wing Commander 4, The Price of Freedom, as my first game selection for the 90s PC games. Alright, so that is my first game that I choose for my best PC game uh, of the 90s for this show. Now the second selection that I'll, that I'll toss out is a game that my brothers and I enjoyed so much of back in the 90s. It's it's part of the Gold Box series of, of Dungeons & Dragons games back then. For those of you who are familiar with the Gold Box series, they are a set of role-playing games where you moved characters around in grids in battle. And of course, you followed certain storylines in the Dungeon, Dungeons & Dragons uh, series of books. 
the gold box games that I played, that my brothers played, the Death Knights of Crin and the Dark Queen of Crin follow the storyline from the from the books of Dungeons and Dragons called the Dragonlance series. Now, the idea is that you are a group of adventurers, of course, Dungeons and Dragons, going out to fight what looks like an invasion of dragons uh, towards your home homeland of Crin. And all these different dragons have different powers, like the gold dragon is is uh, no, actually the red dragon breathes fire the green dragon breathes uh, uh acid if i remember correctly uh the uh, the white dragon breathed um ice or and the blue dragon i believe breathed lightning so they were amazing uh final bosses shall we say but of course behind them were were different factions uh like the death knights the undead knights that uh that would um that would plague the land and of course the final boss in effect would be called the dark queen uh i i forgot her name completely but she was the the big bad in the third game now it's a tactical strategy game where you move your characters and of course they were the uh the the quintessential dungeons and dragons characters there's the paladin there's the dwarf there's the elf uh there's the fighter there's the mage all of them have different skills have different skill uh different skill sets different abilities the mage could cast the fireball one of my favorite spells the the paladin could could turn undead at certain at certain times of the day he would be able to gather his power but he would be one of the strongest knights there um they loosely followed the storyline of the books but they were so much fun that i didn't mind the tactical strategy part of it i'm not very good at tactical strategy games but moving the characters around and tactically being able to go around and run with dungeons and dragons rules like backstabs uh long range missile weapons uh, magic spells and everything death knights of crin and dark queen of crin of the dungeons and dragons gold box series were so much fun to play so i can honestly say that if you are looking for old school style rpg sorry to say ja, it's not jrpg but yeah in the old days we had the gold box series of dungeons and dragons games and the finest of them in my personal opinion and in my brother's opinions too were the death knights of crin and the dark queen of crin so to, to recap I'm angry at you, Dan, for making me choose my favorite, well, uh, two games to talk about here for this episode. I'm angry at you, but of course, I'm thankful for the opportunity as well. So those, the two, uh, the two series that I'm talking about are not the absolute best of the selection, because if you ask, if you, if you ask me how I made those choices, I had to go through my GOG account and look through all of the games that I love. And I, I was just so painful trying to find one that would, uh, one or two that would, I can actually say this would stand out and I would love for our audience to play but i had to make a choice and you made me do it dan so right now the two series that i can recommend to my audience so our audience here in timeless gamer is number one the wing commander series wing commander three heart of the tiger wing commander four the price of freedom and the uh the gold box series yeah, the dungeons and dragon series the death knights of crin and the dark queen of crin you can play through uh, all of these games as they're connected because they are kind of connected to each other. Although you can play them all separately as well. You will get a recap uh, at the beginning of each game. So that's not going to be a problem. That is my selection for this episode. If you want more of the games that I absolutely love from back in the 80s, just let us know in the Pinot Retro Gaming page and we'll continue the discussion there. For the meantime, back to you guys and I'll see you guys again soon. All right. Thank you for that, sir. Joel. Nice. So, 
Do you have it? Uh, wing Commander. Voices. Absolutely I get the same sentiments with Ninong Joel. <laughs> because it's really hard to choose a PC retro PC game. Just two. Yeah. It is very difficult. I mean, I actually think that he completely loves you. He's like the Mr. Smithers to your Mr. Burn Dan. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it seriously. To be honest. But I can understand his frustration. <laughs> <laughs> Same. The frustration is real. I mean, this. I just finally picked that up the other day, which is the Dragonlance um, collection, which is what Knights of Kryn is uh, is based around. So, um, so I'll, I'll I'll probably start reading that at some point. I've never read it. It's a big Dungeons and Dragons thing. Never read it. So I'll see what that's like. But that, they were two really great selections from Sir Joel, and um, I think. Uh, I think the fact that the the, the 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 gold box series has got so many to choose from anyway, the fact that he picked Knights of Cream from all them, never mind all the other favorite games, says a lot. Mm. All right. So, um, well, those are technically four games from Sir Joel. So uh, let's continue with the second round for everybody else. All right. Well, we've we got time. It's nearly... Well, we'll, uh, we'll make it quick. We'll, we'll make it quick then. I'll try and get through it quick. So, so my my second choice then is the Curse of Monkey Island. Okay, and this is uh, the third installment of um, the LucasArts trilogy. And the LucasArts trilogy started with the Secret of Monkey Island. Then we had LeChuck's Le, uh, LeChuck's Revenge, and then this. Uh, now, I'd, before we go any further, I would say anybody playing these games should should start with the very first one because it's a it's a continuous story that all interlinks. And if you if you skip an early entry, it won't it, you won't get the, the quite the impact. Um, but this is basically it's a point and click adventure game uh, with a big focus on puzzle solving, similar to what um, JDM uh, brought up with Sanitarium. Um, the one we're seeing now that Joe's showing is is the secret of Monkey Island. This is the first game, so so my choice for it is actually the third game in the the, the uh, series, the Curse of Monkey Island. So um, basically, it follows the adventures of uh, of Guybrush Threepwood, and he's a wannabe pirate, and he's a bit of a geek. Uh, he'd be better off like working at a supermarket rather than being a pirate, um, and he's he's. Is basically just bumbling his way through, um, trying to trying to be cool, basically. Um, and it's 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 a, it's a really fun game. It's it's based around puzzles. It's got two difficulty settings, which is quite unusual for this style of game. Uh, and it, and the second difficult setting adds a lot of extra layers to it. So it's it's mint like fantastic. What makes this series is the humour. The humour is absolutely fantastic. Probably the, the one of the most humorous games I've ever played, to be honest. And this entry is probably the funniest out of all the entries for me personally. I, I, I think it's fantastic. Um, and there's a, there's a load of great characters throughout the entire series. This takes the best of the characters from the first two series and introduces a few more, which for me are actually the best characters in the entire series. Um, so it's just a real cool, fantastic game. 
It's got a, a magical vibe to it. It's got magical music. It, it kind of, when you're playing, it kind of feels like you're on holiday. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you're there in the Caribbean acting silly with your mates. Um, and for me, this this hasn't aged a, a single day. This is, this is you know, the gameplay, the humour, the writing, everything about it, the graphics, everything is, is, is timeless. It is um, a game that everybody should play. So I would say you don't need any mods for it. It, you can pick up the series pretty cheap on Steam and GOG. I would say to everybody, play all three, all the first three Monkey Island games. There are monkey, more Monkey Island games, but they get a bit crap as, as time goes on. But the first three are masterpieces. And for me, The Curse of Monkey Island is the best of those. All right. So um, that's mine. Any, uh, any comments, guys, about The Curse of Monkey Island? Yeah. Did that? I'm familiar with the series. My cousin used to rant on about the Lucas Arts games, and um, was Lucas production. This is before Disney bought, obviously bought Lucas Arts and, and, shut, and shut it down effectively, uh, or amalgamated into their own whatever their software company is called. And they they came out with hit after hit. I mean, we saw in the credits when this started. Grim Fandango was one of the games. And that's another great PC game. And as point and click adventures. Yeah, yeah. This was this was the king of them. I, I missed out on this. I know there's one on there's first one for to save the CD, so it's there if I want to play it. But, um, there's also the, the, the other one was Discworld, which was another point and click adventure game I loved. And there are a number of those Toon Struck as well. There's, there's a number of really good point and click games, but this is the most prolific one and the most famous one that people will love. So yeah, oh, even though I've not played this game from the what well, very revered is revered as one of the best point and click adventure games of all time is, is a series. So yeah, good one, good one. Man. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. I feel like um, this is uh, just look at the animation on this particular title alone. I feel like this should have been a Saturday morning cartoon that Disney would have made, kind of. No, I won't say. Did they make a show? Make a show about this? This is more a a, a, a stylistically, it's more dry humor and uh, and, and and young adult uh, humor rather than, than Disney uh, Disney style humor. I'd, I'd say it's, there's a lot of dry wit in it, a lot of sarcasm. Uh, it's more like um, it's more like a British sitcom, like Faulty Towers. Ah, or Beavis and Butthead. MTV cartoon, then sure. Uh, your adult car- cartoons. What's yeah, the first game? It, it, it's very. The, the Secret of Monkey Island is the first game. Thank you. Yeah. I'm on GOG looking <laughs> Let's add yeah. that to our wish list, guys. <laughs> so, very adult in humor, then, yeah. It's not, no, it's not, right. it's, when I say adult, it's, it's not adult, it's not adult um, in regards to sex Mature. and swearing. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it takes, it, 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 it's, it's dry sarcasm and wit. So it, it's it's very, um, it could probably go Mature. over the heads of, of younger children. There you go. Mm. need to be very careful with our wording when we say adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, because we're already so done with that episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, <who's> next? <laughs> right. Eileen again then. Eileen. Oh, no. Eileen, I, I next word was first, weren't she? So, so my second pick for two. Yeah, uh, my second game is Microsoft 3D Movie Maker. I'm not sure if anybody has heard of it. No, so Microsoft my pick Movie Maker. 3D Movie Maker. 
Not that it's trading movie computer. maker, just a movie. Yes, it's yeah. I, I was thinking about that before when I chose this game because there's also a separate 3D movie maker. Uh, yeah. This one is a children's computer game released in 1995. Yeah, here you create movie characters, backgrounds, sound effects, music that are available in the game. So you get to pick what is available on the disc. Um, I enjoyed it a lot as a kid because of the tons of ways you can tinker with the program and play the game and make a variety of movies. There are many characters to choose from and select their outfits, but you can't um, customize them, unfortunately. Um, there are different backgrounds you can choose from. Uh, it's from different settings and with different camera angles that would suit your maybe storytelling or effects. Um, there are also sound effects and music available in the game, but you can also use your audio files um, for it. Um, there are also dialogues available in the game, but just maybe a few phrases. But you have the option to record your own voice and use that on the movie that you're making. But I have to say back then when you have like old microphones, it doesn't work quite well. But in modern times, I think it would work. Yeah, it would work quite well today. Um, you can get creative with the movements um, with the characters because there are a lot of like, uh, like you see there on the movie. Uh, it shows props instead of the actors. So you can make them do different movements and also you can put text and make it a subtitled movie if you like um you can use special effects with various shapes um you can save movies and watch them later on and um there are lots of movies that people have put up on youtube you can watch those um apparently there's also two expansion packs of this game one is apparently a nickelodeon expansion pack where it features Rocco's Modern Life, Ren and Stimpy, uh, Real Monsters, and there's also the Japanese pack with Doraemon. Um, so what I think about this game, in this time, uh, I think it may not hold up in terms of graphic quality, but the gameplay sure will. Uh, surprisingly, people still play this today. There's actually a forum specifically for this, um, 3dmm.com. It's uh, uh, what you call this? A classic kind of forum like the BBS boards in the past. Um, recently, I think last year, the open so this game has been open source. Uh, somebody requested it, and Microsoft just gave it away. Um, it's cool because uh, people can do mods with this game now with the open source, and others make their tools or whatever modifications they have made available for other players to do uh, to use on the game um so there you can watch videos made by others and also create your own and upload it to youtube because actually this one it still works today and mm -hmm. with the open source you can download a working version from the internet so it is endless fun and you can be creative as you want so i hope uh, this picks anybody's interests and try it and try that it, um, uh -huh, that's that's very interesting. There's still forums um, dedicated to it. That is very interesting. I wouldn't have expected that. Oh, that's People a guy. I thought it was a rat. That's Mr. McZee. <laughs> mascot. That was like Microsoft Kids mascot of the 1990s. Mr. McZee. Uh. I had, had this had this software called Microsoft Kids, and he used to always pop up. That's who he is. Yeah. And I get I get what this is, what kind of a game this is, but I, I wouldn't play it. <laughs> this is not my cup of tea. It was a great for its time, but. I've got a game called The Movies for PC that passes this. 
um, which I really enjoyed by, by I think it's Lionhead that made it. But um, I guess this is, I mean, it's it's good freeware. It's abandoned wear now that they've given all the, the mods you could do all sorts of stuff with it. But I think it's probably a game that might be for the people who enjoyed it. Um, but hey, it's interesting that something like this existed. Yes. So you can create your own movies with this. Yes, you can look up on YouTube what people have made from this software because there's oh. really tons of things you can do with it. Uh, I wish I could save mine from back then. Yeah. I, I guess that's the reason why it's still like being played today because you can do a lot of things in the game and, and they even have a forum where people could uh, share their movies. Okay, so all right, so so the next recording that they're gonna send me, I'll use this one, and then I'll uh, I'll edit the, the recording from Sawyer Joel using the 3D Movie Maker, <laughs> and that's what will come uh, what, what I'll come up with. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's try that. Great choice, Eileen. I'll uh, I'll have a look at that one. I'm set that format. Um, Viraj. You're up next, then, buddy. Right. Right, let's talk about a proper video game. And uh, let's talk about Command and Conquer. Command and Conquer the series. We've talked about the series, but the game I'm, I'm picking is that that's the original Command and Conquer. Yeah. I, well, we, we've known this for, well, they backdated the called Time Resort. It's Command and Conquer Red Alert 2. Uh, so there were a number of games in the series that Command and Conquer with Command and Conquer Red Alert, Tiberian Sun. And then we had the next one, which was Red Alert 2, developed by, in my opinion, the best developers of our PS games or real-time strategy games at the time, Westwood Studios. Westwood. Oh, mm-hmm. Ah, rest in peace. And, and, and made rest in peace because <laughs> EA bought them in the end. They, they've been folded into EA and I haven't seen anything. I think the last Command & Conquer game was a mobile game, so that's the end of that. But EA being EA. Red Alert 2 like, was a big game. Okay, I've got, got Tiberian Sun here, but one thing I love about Red Alert 2 is the opening and the intro, it steps up itself from the original Red Alert, which is that the video quality is better, the graphics look better, they're much better rendered and they, they do hold up. Yeah, that, that you can see is a, a construction, um, you know, so, that, that's, so when you, the whole point in this game, and this particular RTS game is, well, the story is the Russians are evading the United States. Um, obviously, you've got the Allies and, and the, the Soviet Union, and you play as the Allies to, you know, go on to, you know, you've got the campaign where you've got to take back America and destroy the Soviet Union, basically, and, and, and make sure that they, they, you know, they know that they're under the thumb of the Americans if you follow the story. It's a very interesting story. But I don't want to spoil it. It's a really, you know, because it's, it's got good storytelling art to it. It's got good actors in the little cutscenes, so it's got full motion video cutscenes as you play. Um, and here we're, we're developing a base, so you have a, Pouch there to have troops. You got um, an ore refinery. That's how you get money. You got an ore harvester there. That, that takes you. You get currency and you build things, units or whatever. So you get. You've just built a, a weapons factory there, so you can get tanks or whatever. Um, so as as the game develops, you, you play. Now I think this is a multiplayer campaign that's being played on this deck that we're playing here. So again, you have skirmish modes. You can play online or with the, against the commute, computer, um, and you have it's just basically versus the AI, and you can make the AI as as you want. And it can be hard. There is a challenge with this. If you want a challenge, you can put that AI as being as hard as you like. Now, the reason I particularly like this game is the campaign mode is is really outstanding in my opinion. Yes, all of the Command Conquer Red Alert have really good um, 
uh, multiplayer mode and multiplayer online was very fun. But I just love the way that each level gets harder gradually as it goes along, whether you pick the Soviet or the Allies, well, the Americans. Um, each each well, each um, each uh, side, the Soviets, they have strength and each as well as so have weaknesses. So, for example, the Allies, uh, they have stronger troops, or GBI, basically they're, they're basic. So they're you know, GIs, I would say. Their is has can actually put like um, sandbags around him, so it actually makes him more tougher to take down. Whereas is um, with with the Soviets, they don't have it with their conscripts, but they have stronger tanks. So one side might have something better than the other, and it is a strategic game of chess. You have to work out which units work, which units are better at taking certain units out. So it's a lot of fun. This game, a lot of fun, and you can spend hours on playing this game um, online and or whatnot. So yeah, that pretty much is this gaming in a nutshell. To be honest, uh, I don't really want to go too too much on about it, but it is my favourite in the series because. Of the presentation and how easy it is to play powerful computer to play this now and even then you didn't when mm. they took over um westwood studios the the graphical requirements for red alert 3 and the the later command and conquer 3 was so high you need a new computer whereas this one didn't need that much power in terms of graphics and this is why in my opinion it's probably the best game in terms of playability and ease of access as well the other games didn't really do much into involved pushing the games in innovation, it was just graphically more enhanced. Yes, there were innovations, but it's like, they gave this much more innovation, but they wanted that much more for it, in terms of buying a new computer or a new graphics card just to play it. Whereas, whereas with an RTS game, you don't really need the best graphics, you just need more creativity. And I think this was the pinnacle of the creativity of the Command & Conquer series. Very nice. All right. And you sold me on that one, mate. You sold me on that one because I like real-time strategy games. I never really, I, I, I toyed with Command & Conquer, I just, it was one of them kind of series that bypassed me. Um, just, you know, you just missed certain ones, don't you? Uh, and what you're saying about this having the best single uh, player campaign, I would I definitely give this a whirl, mate. Yeah, I can attest to that as well. Um, the only reason I didn't, I didn't, uh, the, uh, the only reason I didn't choose this one, because uh, Server Edge already called Dibs. But I can attest to it. This is rather an addicting game. The first time I played it was during my my third year of high school. Uh, me and my classmate took me uh, to play this game, Land Network, right? And um, me being the newbie, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just, so I just, I just did what they told me on what to do, what to do next, what to build next. And then, um, lo and behold, uh, they all chose the Soviet, uh, the Soviet forces. And yeah. of course, uh, everything's gangster until you hear Irob reporting. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, what is that? Oh, no, it, it's, the, it's those Zeppelins. Slow as fuck. But they can really destroy all <laughs> of your uh, all of your buildings in one single go. Especially if you don't have any anti-aircraft. Oh shit! And I'm like, okay. And, um, so uh, I, 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 they wiped the floor out of me. Sure, but uh, but knowing what uh, uh, knowing what artillery, knowing what weapons, knowing what soldiers, knowing what tanks, knowing what structures I should build. Um, I did. Uh, I did play this offline, single player, 
So I was uh, when we got our first computer. This is one of the first games that I installed, actually. So um, I really played the hell out of this game um, at the time when I was off console gaming. Um, dark times. <laughs> I was off yeah. console gaming. Back in the day, it was either this game or Counter Strike. Counter Strike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. It, it, these are like the, this is like that, like the, the true like heart. Like my brother played Counter Strike. Like he was addicted to that after this game. But I, I still played this game. Let's not forget this also had an expansion pack. Um, mm-hmm. Euro yeah. Command and Conquer to Yuri's Revenge, and that yeah. expanded the game. So you got obviously love Yuri. For those of you familiar with the story, there's um. Obviously, there's a character who's helping um, Premier Romanov, who was the yeah. sort of communist dictator of the Soviets, called Yuri, who had who's played by Udo Kier, uh, yeah, okay. who's a critically known actor, and they had really good actors in this as well. Um, and playing this game, you know what's and, funny, Skavirat? Uh, now that you mentioned the actor, I thought the actor who's doing Yuri is the one. Do, uh, it's the um, it's the actor from Pretty Woman. The I've never seen he, that. He, he looks kind of no, the same. It might be. I mean, he's like Udo Kier, but he was in Blade. I uh, know. This one's so. different because the actor playing uh, playing Yuri here is actually Russian. Oh, right. Okay. Uh. I mean, so, so yeah. So he, he's um, basically he has the ability to mind control units, and that's a that's some technology that was exclusive to the Soviets. But when you get Yuri's revenge, he has his own units, and there's there's some outlandish fantasy things like uh, you know, you've got um. You got mind-controlled squids that you can use on the, the, the Soviet naval <laughs> oh, yeah. force, and yeah. you know the, the Allies have uh, dolphins. So it's it's crazy. I mean, there's so many creative aspects to it. And for those of us who like history in World War Two, obviously the whole Red Alert franchise is what if Albert Einstein created a time machine, went back in time, killed Hitler, and this this is the alternative timeline this is taking. Mm. And Red Alert One is about Stalin trying to take over Europe, okay? And obviously the Allies have beaten him. And Red Alert Two is the continuation of that story that a puppet dictator has been set up in, in Russia. He's bitter about things. He decides to attack the Americas after all these years. He's built a force and he's, he's attacking them. And that's the story behind it. Now I know you said when you first got this game it was difficult to play. If you play the campaign mode, you can learn how to play the game because it teaches you what each unit does as you play the game along campaign mode. So campaign mode is always a good way to sort of play the game and, and understand about. The units before you go to play skirmishes because obviously you've got the whole arsenal when you play skirmishes. But when you're obviously just playing the story, you unlock all the extra things each, as each level goes along. All the extra units, you know, there's like a cutscene with Albert Einstein. He goes, "We have created chronosphere. We can transport this." And then obviously you see this, and it's so funny when you see the actors and it, it engages you. The storyline is like, "Come on, we got to take these Ruskies out, man!" Or "Come on, let's destroy these capitalists." If you're if you're a communist and you have that political ideal, in it's this fun. alternate in this fun. alternate timeline, Albert Einstein is fat. Yeah. You're really <laughs> so, he's a tough guy, yeah. <laughs> so again, it's funny. Again, if you again, there's Red Alert three as well, um, and but th- that was more style and substance because the the actresses in that are really hot, Dan and Joe. You love it because the, the women that they put into yeah. acting were, were amazing. Uh, the gameplay, Dan, yeah. the gameplay was a bit. It's it a terrible. It's actually a really good game, actually. Red Alert three, it's different, it's better. But when EA took over Westwood, there's there's an X factor that went missing, in my opinion. But that's why I'm saying I prefer Red Alert 2 over 3. But for the women, Sir Joe and Dan... If there's a reason why I should play Red Alert 3, it's it's only because of the Japanese campaign, because I love my Gundams. Oh, okay. (laughs) Fair enough. It's the robots. But there's I mean, only one hot, the girl, only I mean, one the hot girl woman comes in the second campaign. Okay. You know, the, women, <laughs> the woman is on the ally side. I like her. She's my favorite for that. Mm. Anyway, I don't want to talk about this too much. You know, 
dig myself a hole. But I like, I like, I like. Yes, it's it's all like red and fl- red alert and flirt and all that stuff with the third game. But it's all about women. But uh, and and it does have some pretty A-list celebrities in the third game. They really did spend the money on the production value mm-hmm. of the third game because oh, yeah. it got folded into it to EA. But in terms of the game itself, it, it just didn't flow as well. It was a slower game in my opinion than Red Alert Two. That's my thoughts on that game. Anyway, that's one of the few games that I will choose robots over girls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the rare instances that I'll choose not to be a creep for once. <laughs> well, you got. Oh, okay. I mean, you got um, George Takai, isn't he? He's in the in the third. Oh yeah, George Takai. Yeah, George Takai. Yeah, Emperor. He's the Emperor. Yeah, I love his speech got, though. You got Tim Curry in the third game. Tim Curry, like, yeah. He's hilarious. Like, we've got. I've got to go. I've got to say, when he says that line, it's hilarious. I'm mean, the only place where there's no communism exists. I go into space, the way he says it as well. It's so hilarious. Everyone, you're laughing because all of you know that line because it's Stop so happening. campy and funny. You got David Hasselhoff in the third game. You know, like, what the What is this? And you got you got J.K. Simmons, who's a, who's a big star now. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's the president. You know, oh, the hell they got communism. Them, right? Yeah, and you got, you got J.K. Simmons, Tim Curry, and George McKay. They got money. <laughs> they had money, like you knew they had some A-list actors in there, um, and some really hey, attractive yeah, women. They got so. EA money, so that means they got our money. <laughs> anyway, that's enough of that. Let's move, let's move to the next game. I don't think there's any more, unless anyone's got anything else to say about the game. <laughs> no, okay, let's move on. Top choice, mate. Top choice. Top choice. JDM, your second one then, mate. Yes, of course. And before I proceed, let me go ahead and check the chats. Uh, hello, Sir Eris Arvin Diwa, who also mentioned his favorite games were Guns by Mayet Entertainment last 2005 and Gunbound by Soft- Softinks? Or Softinks. Softinks in 2003. I remember playing Gunbound before. It's like if you have played Worms or Magadon or those worm games, that's exactly it, but with they're using tanks. Oh, of course, the MMO, yeah. uh, the, uh, the the OG Ragnarok, of course. Yeah. And for my second game, it's going to be a uh, first-person uh, first space flight simulator titled Descent Free Space. And it was um, developed by Volition Entertainment. Um, some of the... Uh, if you remember Descent, the game, it's uh, it's a uh, Descent is a was a first uh, no a third person shooter game uh, that was um, developed by Parallax Software. Um, the guys who were in Parallax Software they um, they moved out and they made a different uh, develop uh, game development company. It's called Volition incorporated the ones who developed uh, Saints Row and it was published by Interplay's uh, Interplay Production so it's a first person flight simulation game and you play as a pilot of the Terrans so there are two warring factions you have the Terrans or the humans and the alien race called the Vasudans so they had this a 14-year war going on, which they call the Great War. So they they've been warring for about 
for 14 years one for then unbeknownst to them there was an unknown race that attacked this part of the galaxy called um uh, i don't remember the which part of the galaxy there was an unknown alien race called the shivans causing the two warring races to become allies so they became the great terran vasudan alliance not longer and uh, not long after that so it's like if you have played um, starcraft it's like starcraft but in uh, space uh, i mean it's a flight simulation <laughs> so <laughs> right so the game is visually stunning you have um explosions it looks realistic the scaling of the ships you have you have um the space superiority fighters like the ones that you use in uh, the the ones that you see in star wars you also have these bombers uh i think that that's the only two um, ships that you can use the fighters and the bombers but you in the campaign you can see larger ships which are called the destroyers the they're different destroyer. uh, yeah 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 they have different classes as well so you have these like uh space stations then you have this um like leviathan sized uh ships especially from the shivans the um unknown alien race you can see the scaling of the ships you have the fighter ship that looks like a dot then you have this big um large uh, destroyers that you can also destroy uh, a, uh depending on the mission that you're in and um it really redefined the flight simulation in general because you had uh, you had wing commander a uh, wing commander is i don't call it a 3d game it looks like a 2.d uh 2.d game uh 2.d yes. uh flight simulation game it kind of reminds me of starbucks actually uh, yeah 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 exactly and even microsoft uh did uh they had this um flight simulation right microsoft uh flight simulation it's in 2d as well they make it look like 3d but it's not actually uh it's different in descent free space because it's an actual 3d game uh you can see the scaling you can see the difference in the sizes of the uh, ships and um uh let's see for the uh, uh longevity of the game it just like in uh missile's uh, recommendation in 3D um 3D movie maker this game still has um forums it has a it has a community that um that gathers um uh players uh free space players they do mods for the game uh, actually uh, this game had a sequel called free space 2 then that's the game that they're trying to mod uh they did you can in free space 2 
you can play decent free space campaign using the engine of free space 2 and with hd textures so they developed hd textures they developed um additional campaigns they even recorded voice um updated voice uh, recordings for the pilots when they communicate and that's really amazing from a 1998 game to have um this uh, longevity in developing uh, and modding this uh, game and yeah i think that's it for this game uh this is even one of the games that uh, got me into space uh flight simulations i love playing um flight simulation games uh, especially on pc i even um thought of buying uh what they call this a flight stick for uh these games and earlier i went to the mall i bought this one <laughs> it's a flight simulator 98 um unauthorized game series so i can learn more about the uh, controls and how the game works and maybe i will go back to play this game and that's it for my second game all right thank you for that sir jdm actually kind of reminds me of um I know Battlestar, Gal uh, Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek have their own PC game. But if mm. I wanted them to do a, a first-person shooter space, uh, space fly simulation game, it might turn out something like this. Yeah. Uh, clearly, it has a lot more detail compared to Wing Commander. Although, granted, they spent more of the budget on the movie side of things rather than the actual mm. gameplay. Uh, and even uh, Star Wars followed suit to this um, John uh, the like Tie the Fighter. Yeah, yeah. Because back then the those Star Star Wars games, uh, space simulation games, were in 2D as well. And it didn't for me. It didn't look good compared to this game because it's in full 3D and you have this. Yeah, you have these asteroids um, scattered around. There's even a, a level that all you need to do was to escort uh, a cruiser in, mm -hmm. in in an asteroid belt. So right. it's really annoying. Uh, this game strikes me as uh, it's just pure gameplay. Not much dialogue. It doesn't really waste your time. It's just yeah. you know, straight up shoot up. Uh, it's, it's a straight up shoot whatever it is in your way then yeah. do it the mission then that's it move on to the next it it doesn't have the uh cutscenes like in red alert 2 it had cutscenes but it was just narration of um narration. more on the narration or like the briefing there's no oh, like characters who are there's no there are no main characters um you only have the pilot stock in their radio communication right okay uh thank you for that sir jdm and uh let's move on to sir pao sir pao what's your second game well for my second game we're not gonna make this long because for me i believe this this game deserve its own episode but to make to give a good start to it my second game is diablo 2. diablo uh, 
Of course, as many know from the title itself, the very objective of the entire game is to kill Diablo using any hero class that's available on the character selection the first time you play to play you play this game. It could be an Amazon, an assassin, a necromancer, barbarian, paladin, sorceress, and a druid. Although in in a in a in another Diablo 2, not the expansion one, I believe the sorceress and the druid, or so, should I say, the assassin and the druid are not available. Can't remember which one, because I always look for the expansion for me to have more choices of hero classes. With paladin being my personal favorite, although unlike in the first one. Unlike in the first one, it's not only Diablo that's your objective, but it's one of his brother. It's one of his brothers, and I think I'll stop there and not mention the name in order in order not to spoil it for those who haven't even played this yet. And as I have mentioned, the the Diablo franchise deserve its own episode for timeless ga- for timeless gamer. Although for oh, although. Yeah. Although for me, since this is the only Diablo version that I played ever, I don't think I won't be able I won't be able to be part of the panel. I haven't even played the new the new release Diablo 4 and even and even the remastered version of this one, the remaster that was I believe released on Switch called Diablo 2 Resurrected. The, now as for the levels and the gameplay, it's it's a um, It has RPG elements. You you level up. You gain experience points. You learn new skills. You have to heal up in order to regain health and kill and kill lots of enemies on your way through five dip through five different acts. So it's like you're playing a game and you're following a story divided into five different acts unfold. Unfolding your quest in defeating Diablo and his brothers. Oh yes, he has right. brothers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know you that. Yeah, he has brothers in there. <laughs> yeah, that 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 what that one was a surprise. Diablo has brothers. <laughs> Not just brother, it's brothers. Brothers. <laughs> yeah. S. Blue. He's got two, hasn't he? And I, yeah, I believe it was. I believe there's so, two of them. Is that the is Diablo the third name or the first name? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I I would wonder the same thing. I unfortunately I don't have any idea. I don't have any idea. And if they do have surnames, that's that would be another surprise because parse the game, parse the game tells they don't have one. So, because I, I looked into Diablo, because um, Diablo 4 was launched recently, as we all know, mm. yes. I looked at some of the cinematic cutscenes, and it looks amazing. You watch it, play the fourth game as a movie, you know, it's, it's really good. I thought, wow, Very this much. Is so interesting. It's all about Lilith, who is Diablo's niece, uh, and she had like an uh, affair with with an angel or something. I thought, wow, okay, what's this, what's this about? And there's so much depth in the story; it's it's outstanding. And um, I, I really liked that when I looked at Diablo 4. This is Diablo 2, and I remember people talking about Diablo 2 when it came out. I'm like, All right, whatever, man. It's not my kind of game. But when I saw the graphics and the cinematic story of Four, I, I looked back and I thought, okay, so this is about the story. And I just followed the story, and Diablo was Lilith's uncle, and he, he's actually the youngest of the three brothers. There's another two of these demon didn't masters. They, <coughs> didn't they but, release comic books or literature about Diablo that explains the lore in depth? 
there's a lot of depth they, to it. Really did they release one? I, I think I think I saw a few books here and there. Yeah, the, so there are me, some that I just saw on the internet though. <laughs> for me, the pull of this game, even though it's not the kind of game I play, the pull of it is the story. I need a plot, mm. a story that draws me in, and I, I like the story of Diablo. From obviously watching Diablo Four, I'm tempted to play back the play the Diablo games just to play out the story. It's really, really interesting. So that's my thoughts on Diablo. Not because of Diablo Two, because of Diablo Four. So obviously that game has become quite critically renowned, even though the sequels have, have been spaced out throughout the years. But no, good shout, uh, somehow, good game. Right. Yeah. Um, one last question. Um, how's the cow stage in here? How's the? Oh, sorry. What is, what is that? Is, is there a, is there a secret cow stage in here? Oh, <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about that. We're but, not gonna yeah. talk about the cows. The only yeah, game but, I'm talking about the cow stage. It's been it's been a th- it's been a thing in cheat magazines, in web, in IGNs, in got in walkthrough websites. Uh, So it's not it's not really that much of a secret anymore. But then I want I, I want players to experience firsthand how different. Uh, but but they're there. Yeah, they're there. They're, they're there. Have we fought them? I did fought them, and was it fun? Ran, <laughs> it was fun until I ran out of potions. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where they got the joke. There's no cow level in. Um, War, was it in Warcraft 3? There was a cheat code in Warcraft 3 that um, that's called "There's no cow level." There's no cow to level. skip to skip the game. Uh, I to skip the the level that you are right now. Right. right. Uh, so, so very meta joke. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Inside joke. I think of this game called Earthworm Jim. There's a, ca- a level de- dedicated to cows. If you ever play the game, cow level one. Probably. <laughs> Yeah. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> okay, so uh, thank you for that, Sir Pao. And um, I'm not sure. Hopefully, we can do a Diablo-centric episode um, if we can find actual players for Diablo one, two, three, and four. I do. I, I know we have a few, but we need some. I think, but we need some more, like a couple yeah. more. Maybe um, we're outside our community because yep, we know uh, we're going to outsource for that. Yes. Um, so for. Well, I, I, I'm last, so I'll, I'll try to skip a few information about this second game of mine. So, uh, my second game is called Farland Symphony. Um, so, uh, so with Farland Symphony, uh, so this is a uh, it's a tactical JRPG uh, for uh, for the PC, uh, developed and published by Studio TGL. That's TGL. And um, it was released only in Japan, unfortunately, on February of 2002. And the English translation was released by again Mirror Moon, fully playable for the PC on February of 2011. So I'm not going to talk about the story anymore. So let's just go ahead with the gameplay. So tactical JRPG, right? Which means the characters need to move within squares in a grid, particular field map. Most of the time, the victory conditions is to defeat all enemies, while failure is your entire party gets wiped out. And uh, get close enough, and you can attack a chosen enemy directly. Uh, if the skill or magic is enough to reach the chosen enemy, you may do so as well. Same principles can be said using items. More damage is dealt if uh, if getting struck behind or on the side. So, and oh, in this particular game, to make things interesting or difficult, depending on how you look at it. The magic and the skills are not readily available during combat. Okay, so in this game, 
so they worship four elements of the gods yellow gale red fire blue water green earth magic and skills have corresponding elements and your characters must pray or in this case focus on the said element before the magic or skill can be used so it's like uh, like magic the gathering the card game you need to have certain amount of mana cards before you can invoke a skill or magic so if you need a red magic that requires two focus points the character must stand close to something red like an active fire or a lava pit and then spend two turns focusing if you need to use green magic that require one focus point you need to stand close to something green like some blades of grass or or a tree and then spend one turn focusing blue magic requires water while yellow magic yeah you can just stand on a color colorless field and you know you get the idea so Uh, so, except for that focus thing mechanic, yeah, I mentioned the basic rules of the common, uh, the common tactical JRPG. It is a good thing because I already knew all of that because this game does not tell you any of that. Mm. So, the first combat will be fighting seven wild boars in the training field, and it's just you, the male lead, and your adopted sister. Hi, Sir Viraj, and <laughs> another sister, yeah. And yeah. it, oddly, so ironically enough, in the training field, they skip the tutorial. And the game assumes this is not your first tactical JRPG. And the game kicks you, this is Sparta style, into the fray without telling you on how to fight. And I thought maybe I just pressed the wrong button and skipped the tutorial. So I reset the game, only to find out that the game just don't want to tell you shit. No. So either that or Mirror Moon fucked up the, the translation again and they skipped the combat tutorial all, um, entirely. Yeah. And uh, oh, as far as the focus mechanic is concerned, nobody has told me about that on how it works. I had my hunch why every field, uh, why every field map is so vibrant with colors. So I experimented on standing near specific colored objects. And that's how I found out. So the game developers or Mirror Moon did not spend a second telling you all of this. And uh, some of the skills here require HP uh, to be pulled off. There's no MP in this game, meaning mm. uh, so uh, for you to pull off some uh, so, some hard hitting skills, it needs your HP, right? Meaning you should have enough healing items with you, or there should be a healer close by. If you decide to spam this life self-threatening techniques, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, if there is one good thing that I can say about this game, and I and I said this to the guys in in our group chat, this game, the way the story progression feels like you are watching back-to-back episodes of an anime series. Uh, the events just keep on happening one after another. Every chapter, the plot goes on, you fight, and then move on to the next chapter. And I only played this game f- like for one day, and already I went up to four chapters without even trying. For I mean, I only spent like two hours in the game, and I already reached chapter four already. With the game being this linear, there is no way for your characters to grind to level up. Every chapter only has one or two fight scenes, and that's it. Uh, you just need to keep your characters alive to keep getting the maximum experience points that they can get. Uh, from the enemies. Oh, and the experience points here are very stingy, and so don't expect reaching the level cap. The level cap, even if there is one. Uh, the enemies are no pushovers themselves, 
the AI will always try to hit you from behind and will always go to the most vulnerable uh, in your party or the closest one that they can reach. An old yet uh, a very effective trick would be just luring the enemy one at a time and then gang rape it to death. That's it, really. That, that, that's how you will survive, uh, so, uh, survive in this game. This game doesn't know what it wants to be again. Uh, what I'm guessing is that the developers wanted us to think that we are actually playing an anime here and an RPG second. At times I thought if Bandai Namco wanted to make a tactical Tales of game, it would be probably turned into something like this. But, you know, but with the gameplay more fun and more balanced. The focus mechanic of this game is very tedious and it can really waste your time, really. Uh, just finding the right elements all over the field map. And if you know how to maneuver your characters well and you and you have sufficient enough sufficient items enough to fight, then all of those focusing on those elements will not will not be so necessary to begin with. Um, yeah, um, that's all for this game, really. Uh, skipping, I'm skipping all uh, a whole lot of information there, but you know, time constraints and everything. I mean, it, it does aesthetically look like a nice presented game. It does have like some nice art design, some nice like if you look at the maps, the way the characters design in isometric, little sprite work. It's quite clear. I think when a lot of people put a lot of emphasis in trying to make things real 3D, um, their graphics can look quite blocky and unclear, and, and they don't actually look good. I like this this art style because I think it suits this isometric format really well. Um, yes, it's it's cartoony, but I think there's something really sweet about it. Oh yeah, um, I mean visually, uh, visually it's quite uh, it, it's quite alluring to the eyes as well. If you're going to look at it. Um, it, they're very, uh, they're they're very so chibified, and uh, the characters are um, are so drawn so well here. And um, oh, not necessarily like a visual novel style approach, but if you're going to during the story progression, this chibi small size sprite will tend to act out the scenes that they're in. Uh, to such a comedic effect. You know, you know how games like uh, like nowadays they'll just uh, just one character here, then one character there. Here they just really act it out, uh, which is a very an old school JRPG trope, which I kind of miss. Mm-hmm. It saves time rather than like switching to a cutscene. You know, you just go there, you act it out, and that's it. So that's mm-hmm. actually a really good thing. So no, it's pretty interesting. As, as tactical RPGs go, yeah, it's decent. I like. If you're going to look at the uh, at the visuals as well, Sir Viraj, it kind of reminds you of the late '90s PS1 and early 2000s yeah. game yeah. bands, uh, yeah. games. I, I mean, it's it's not graphically hard to run, and that's 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 the point I'm trying to raise. I mean, people we we mentioned at the start of this video about how PC games were always the pinnacle of graphics, right? But you can run this game on a PC and it, and it can handle it quite easily and it actually makes it accessible for anyone with even a, a PC which has, doesn't have a dedicated graphics card these days uh, and, and that's the game before this and this one so there is a, a, a an aspect of, of games for PC now which are quite easily playable and even when this came out it was quite easy to run as well I can guess so they're always pros to certain games they might not look graphically they don't go for the over blocky graphics or 3D rendering but I don't think it would do this game any more of a service if they did it that way it would cost more to run people pay a lot more money for it for what? just better graphics? I mean this makes it affordable and accessible for most people who are into these sort of games so actually this is where a game like this can really win for a lot of people 
Oh, um, about this game, uh, Farland uh, Symphony. Did you, uh, for all of uh, for the video watchers out there, uh, you see this lone girl standing right next to the grass. Yeah. She is your only healer. <laughs> Her healing magic requires green magic, so that means she needs to stay there on the green patch of grass. In order for her to use her healing magic, if she's out, if she's nowhere near there, she is basically useless. <laughs> <laughs> and there's only so much uh, green patch in there. There's one and there's two, and the other patch of green grass is full of enemies. Yeah, so ain't no way you're going to move her all the all the way there. So this is this is one of this this is one of the this is one of the one of the things that's that's very frustrating about this game. It's just that. Um, for for all of your members to be sufficient uh, to be efficient battle wise they have to be close to their uh, to the elements that they should be affinity mm. with so if if her healing magic is just uh, requires you to to be standing right next to a green object then basically you need to go to her mm. you, need, you need to you need to walk all the way to her direction so that she can heal you or stock up on the green magic and then she can approach you mm-hmm. then again if she runs out of uh, green mana then she'll go back nothing <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she's basically dead weight uh, and then everybody else uh, yeah so um, like I said if they don't if, if they're not next to the element that they're uh, that they're akin to might as well just norm, uh, just attack them normally and yeah so this is Farland Symphony guys for the PC um, for all of you guys out there who are um, who are interested in Farland Symphony and Men at Work 2, uh, you can just Google search them. It took me a while to find a working uh, uh, a working uh, working copies of both games, but I managed to find them. Um, so yeah. Uh, oh, this uh, this game in particular though, very safe. Uh, you can play them on the office. That's fine. <laughs> there, there, there ain't no porn in here, unfortunately for me. But hey, um, every once in a while, let's keep it clean. And that's it, guys. That's uh, that's all. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, 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 then still having some trouble getting uh, getting back here with us. So we'll just end the show then. Uh, Sir Dan is there in the chat. Sir, Sir Dan says, Baldur's Gate 2, Hard West, XCOM 94. Virage is right. The PC has a ton of great low, graphi- uh, low graphics game. Uh, Avernum Escape from the Pit is one of mine. And it looks like a very early 16-bit game. Yeah. Just use um, software rendering and you're good. Back then. Oh, like no direct X. How about yeah. using DirectX? Oh my God, DirectX! Ah, uh, yeah, DirectX. Your best friend during the ni- during the late nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's just do our shameless plug. Um, let's start with Sir Pao. Where can they find you? So you can find me on Facebook as Sir Pao, in YouTube Sir Pao Gaming Channel, on Twitch Sir underscore Pao underscore twenty four, as well as on Kick. And I usually stream at night in order for me to. <laughs> In order for me to stream longer, since that's mostly my free time after school, after fulfilling my duties as teacher. So hope to see you on my next stream. I'm still continuing Final Fantasy VII and Diablo. All right, thank you for that, uh-huh. sir. Pao. How about Sir JDM? Where can they find you? Yes, uh, one two three go retro on Twitch. I still have my Facebook page though. One two three go. I usually post my. 
um, streams there, but I um, streaming on Twitch most of the time. I also have Kick One Two Three Go Retro. So see you guys on my stream. All right, thank you for that, sir. JDM. How about Miss Anthony Porter? Miss I, where can they find you? I haven't seen for a while. <laughs> yes, you can find at work. <laughs> work, work all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can stream your work. Stream at work. <laughs> A <laughs> uh, nurse simulator. <laughs> well, I do have gym hospital. <laughs> yes, Miguel. Well, you can see me on Twitch at Enslin Porter. Uh, that's if I can stream on my days off, which is basically non-existent at this point. But yeah, you can find me on Twitch, and I have a YouTube where I upload all my videos. So see you when I stream again, whenever that may be. All right, thank you for that, Miss I. And how about Serviraj? Where can they find you? You can find me in hell. No, you can you can find me on the <laughs> you can find me on the Sega Mega Masters channel on YouTube. Uh, it's a new channel. We set it up, and um, me and me and so Dan that you, you saw speaking earlier on that, and we have a lot of fun talking about old Sega Mega Drive and and, and, and Genesis. Genesis is the, the Mega Drive in USA and Master System games. Um, and we've also got you can also find us in the Sega Genesis group Facebook. That's where you can find us. All right, thank All right. you for that, Sir Garage. And uh, and he's right. So uh, I live next door to him. So uh, he's a good neighbor. <laughs> in hell. And how about the captain of the ship for tonight, Sir Dan? Yeah, sorry about the technical difficulties there. Um, basically, come and find us where Sir Viraj says, but he said it in a posher voice, so you probably understand it better. So uh, <laughs> Sega Genesis Facebook group or Sega Mega Masters on YouTube. All right, thank you for that, Sir Dan. And uh, so, just to plug the show, uh, so timeless gamer guys. Uh, so you can still watch our uh, our previous episodes, our video episodes, just by going to the YouTube channel Timeless Gamer PRG. There are there are other timeless gamer who has the same name as us, but it's Timeless Gamer PRG. Or you can just go to the Facebook page of Pinoy Retro Gaming. Our shows are also in there. Uh, also to plug the show, Quentong Bijuan, another podcast show uh, produced by Pinoy Retro Gaming. That's on a Sunday. Um, the last episode that uh, that they did was all about Gundams, guys. So for all of you Gundam enthusiasts there, just go to Pinoy Retro Gaming uh, Facebook page and you can watch our episode all about Gundams. And in our show, if you prefer just listening to the out of the audio, you just want to listen to us talk, that's fine. Our audio version is also available in all major uh, podcast platforms. I'm not going to list them all yet again in this uh, in this, uh, in this this late of the show. And yeah, that's it, guys. And thank you all so much to all of you guys who stayed from start to, uh, start to finish. I would like to uh, give a quick shout out to Sir Jansen. Page name required, coming from PRG. And... Um, Head to Sir Angelo Ribon uh, and Sir Eris. Hi, Sir Eris and uh, Jericho Ilagan. All right, and that's guys. And in uh, on behalf of Sir Joel who can't be here and Miss uh, and Miss Charlene Honoka ninety nine who can't be here as well. Our games and our bodies may grow out of date, but our gaming experiences will forever remain. Hey, timeless. Time See you guys. Bye 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 bye